welcome to the Open Apple Podcast, where we celebrate the Apple too. Whether you're a long-time user, a nostalgic visitor, or a newcomer to the community, join us as we share news and memories of Steve Wozniak's most famous personal computer. I'm Mike McGuinness. And I'm Carrington Vanston. And, and this, this is, is no quarter, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a while since you and I have spoken, at least like this, or I think any other way, because you you know we we stormed out and, and kicked each other in, uh, in the face, and that was pretty much it. <laughs> was that how it went? Oh yes, I that was so, very yes. very adversarial. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. It was, there was lots of nasty words thrown around, you know, and it just it got real bad. But oh, how are yes. you, sir? I'm fantastic. Excellent. Well, for those of you listening, this is uh, episode 74 for September of 2017. But it doesn't look a day over 70. (laughs) That's right. This is um, a a weird intro, I guess, but uh, Quinn usually handles this. And she, as as I understand it, hopped in her her DeLorean and hit 88 miles an hour, and she's out sabotaging secret Atari labs in the past or something. I I thought she'd have an invisible jet. Um, Well, maybe that's it. Does that make me Um, co-host the nothingth? Sure. Yeah, that Co-host works for me. Third, well, I don't yeah. know what number this would be. Coast to three point five. Coast to five and a quarter. Regardless, you're stuck with one of the RCR uh, podcast co-hosts. I'm sorry, folks. It's going to be a rough one. <laughs> I hear that uh, a lot. Why does everybody <laughs> keep saying that to me? <laughs> um. So, uh, how have you been, sir? Sir. Oh, I yes. assume since you said sir, you weren't talking on me. Well, yeah. It's habit, you know. <laughs> sir Carrington's my dad. They call me. <laughs> I see. Uh, I've been great. Con- I've been great. Apple II stuff. Uh, not too much of it, but, you know, Kansas Fest and, and still mm-hmm. on RCR and doing the, the nerdy things and living the life, For baby. Sure. Yeah. I hear you got a big poster. I did get a big poster from you, <laughs> you big softy. You sent me an amazing poster that arrived at Kansas Fest. I got a gift at Kansas Fest. Woo! <laughs> yeah, totally amazing. Yeah, I just wanted to do that to let everybody know how awesome I am. It has nothing to do with Carrington. <laughs> <laughs> I was on an Atari podcast recently. Why? Yeah, I was on um, um, Kevin Savitz's Antic. I happened to be in Portland and... I uh, had put out uh, word that I wanted to go down to their um, local arcade, and and Kevin answered and said, hey, why don't you come on the podcast? And so I let them know what a computer with slots worked like back then. And, uh, and they said sprites. These are sprites. Right. <laughs> Let's introduce you to sprites and yes, more than they, one sound. They they informed me that apparently uh, there are computers out there that back then that could do more than eight colors on a screen at one what? time, and I called them dir- dirty liars and stormed out. But it's one of those things. It's like the human eye can only see eight colors. That's so right. Why would you need more than that? Exactly. See, you, it makes sense to you. Does make sense to me, but a lot of things make sense to me <laughs> that other people just sort of slowly back away from. Yeah. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We got a. Uh, oh, I thought we were with, done. Uh, Wait, how long oh, is this no. show? Uh, it's hours and hours. Oh. It's just en- endless, endless, endless. I have made a terrible mistake. <laughs> and you're not going anywhere. Uh, we have an interview with uh, Mark Limmert of 6502 Workshop. What, that um, guy? He was on the, yeah, he was on the show actually a couple of months ago talking about Knox Arcade. Yeah, he's already awesome been here. Apple II game. Mm-hmm. He's already been and on he has the more show. news for us. What? Yeah, it was oh. sort of a scramble thing that I had to put together. I don't do anything on this show. It's all Quinn. And so, like, I have to, like, <laughs> just, I don't know, like, pick random people out of my address book and email well, them. That's you how I show? got here. <laughs> exactly. A uh, bunch of news, and we'll be going through soft talk number five today. So, woo! Um, so uh, let's jump into the interview. Hi, I'm Bill Budge, and you're listening to the Open Apple Podcast. 
Mark, hello. How are you? Uh, hi, Mike. Uh, hi, Carrington. Uh, hello. I'm doing well, thanks. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Sure. And why are you on the show again? I mean, again, again? <laughs> uh, well, because uh, uh, we are uh, or have uh, launched a uh, Kickstarter campaign for Noxstar Cast, uh, launched on uh, September 16th. And uh, so Quinn thought it would be a good idea, and I thought it would be a good idea to come on the show and uh, talk to you guys a little bit about it. That darn Quinn is stirring up trouble everywhere. Um, so, so what is your uh, Kickstarter specifically about, and what are you what are you asking for money for? Sure, sure. Uh, the uh, uh, Kickstarter is is kind of a product of uh, or a byproduct of the feedback that we uh, have been getting from the community pretty much since publicly announcing the project in 2016. Uh, we received numerous uh, requests for a physical collector's edition uh, to the of the game. And uh, we were thrilled to hear that since uh, opening up the game box, putting a fabric map up on the wall uh, next to the computer, flipping through a handheld manual full of cool art. That's exactly the experience uh, from the 1980s that, uh, you know, we'd like to relive and, and recapture through, uh, through the Knox Arcade's project. So uh, we, we are uh, raising money on Kickstarter to produce uh, just that, a, a collector's edition of the game. Uh, with uh, all of those feelies uh, just mentioned, uh, you know, box, map, manual, game artifacts, and more. Uh, and it will be available on either floppy disks uh, for real Apple II hardware uh, and uh, also uh, on a flash drive for uh, Mac and uh, PCs uh, for people who are going to play it that way. And uh, there will be uh, several collector's boxes to choose from and also a... Uh, old school plastic uh, bag edition, if that sort of thing is your bag, it's definitely our bag. So uh, our, our goal through all this is, you know, we want to really just recapture the hands-on gaming experience of the of the 1980s that we uh, grew up with. And, uh, you know, for us, uh, you know, that's that's uh, all about the feelies that really helped us get immersed in the in the game world. Wait, if you're going to capture the 1980s authentic feeling, are you also going to offer just like a generic drive with a handwritten thing on it from like just that. <laughs> Cause that's, that was my experience. <laughs> so it just be the pre-cracked version that comes on a, like a, like a word processor disc with the word processor scratched out and, and a misspelling of your name and a, and a, and a <laughs> like a terrible menu because that's authentic baby. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say probably, probably the most, the most authentic we'll, we'll get on the, uh, the Kickstarter is going to be the, the plastic bag edition. Uh, but, uh, you know, interestingly, I mean, we've produced prototypes of all of these different feelies, which, uh, you know, we have pictures up on the, the Kickstarter page as well as uh, in the, uh, the video, the Kickstarter video. Uh, and in the process of producing those prototypes, you know, we went through a variety of iterations. So Mike Reimer, my project co-founder, and I have drawers full of, you know, just scrap, you know, stuff from you know, various, the box cover in various different stages that, you know, didn't work out and ones nice. that were closer to the one that did and, and, and with the other things too. So, uh, you know, we're keeping all that stuff and, you know, someday we'll, we'll, we'll roll it out for a raffle or, you know, old time sake or something. So, you know, that, uh, that should be fun. You could keep 4am happy by releasing a poorly cracked version that takes out the <laughs> splash screen or something. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I think 4AM and the other crackers are, are going to have some fun with this because, uh, as, as you may know, uh, Peter Ferry, uh, a.k.a. Q. Kumba, is one of our team members. He formally joined the team uh, last spring, and uh, he's working on 
low-level programming issues such as uh, file I.O. and also copy protection. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's going to switch sides, you know, briefly and apply all of his uh, devious skills at cracking uh, software and apply them to writing uh, some copy protections. So uh, we're, we're, we're looking forward to see how, uh, how all that plays out. I'm sure 4AM will will help us by solving that problem for us because then none of us can. <laughs> Although I do have a serious question about that. If it is going to be a copy protected original disc you get, um, does that mean for people who buy the game, they can't make like a backup for playing to protect the disc? And if so, what happens if their original disc fails? Is there like a warranty or something that's going to be offered? Oh, look at me with the serious question. Oh, out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, those, those, those are good questions. And uh, the, uh, uh, Multi-part answer. Um, one uh, a part of the answer is that certainly yes, if the game just you know failed you know right away or something, I mean we'd certainly replace it. Uh, you know, longer term, uh, you know we'll we'll have some kind of a you know vastly discounted option for just you know getting additional sets of the discs. And uh, all, additionally, the uh, the game is really actually going to be free uh, free download uh, at some point. It'll be a number of months after the uh, initial release of the game before the free download would, would be available because we're, of course, going to focus on getting our rewards delivered to the Kickstarter backers and supporting them. Uh, and they'll be, you know, the first players of the game. Uh, but uh, it will be up available as a free download uh, uh, at some point. And, and, from, uh, and, that, and that will not be copy protected. So essentially, you know, the copy protection is just for fun, as, as you probably guessed. And as a practical matter, uh, if somebody wants to make additional copies of the game, uh, you know, one way to do that is, well, just download the disc images, you know, uh, off of the site and, you know, write them with ADT Pro. Uh, uh, but for somebody that doesn't want to, you know, deal with that and rather, you know, just have us send them another set of discs, you know, that's, you know, we'll have uh, pathways for doing that as well. That was your one serious question, um, Carrington. Actually, I have a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, fire, fire away. Uh, okay, so here's another one. Just a couple of quick ones. Um, uh, you got great graphics people on the on the team. Like the the 6502 workshop team is awesome with with Bill and Robert, and Mike and and, yeah. and 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 Beth, and like just amazing. And um, with uh, I think it was by Electric Moo doing the demo music, <laughs> the demo video music. Electric Moo, best game, best name ever. Um, but speaking of music, though, I mean, I've seen all the graphics, and the graphics of the game are incredible. And I was at your Kickstarter, or so the 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 um, Kansas Fest uh, presentation you gave, even though it was like the first one of the day. So it was like, let's drag ourselves in for the, for the first one. So it was an early one, <laughs> but really interesting. And the graphics were amazing. And you gave that that castle tour. We got to see like the drawbridge and stuff and super awesome. But what about um, music? So what kind of music will be in the game? What have you kind of done with that? And will it support things like Mockingbird? Sure. Uh, that That's a great question. Um, so firstly, uh, as I, I, if I forgot to mention, definitely want to mention it now, uh, the uh, Kansas Frost presentation, which is available online, uh, uh, the video version, as well as our other gameplay videos, there's going to be way more sound effects than are in there now. I think now we've just got like a sound effect for a lightning bolt and when the player bumps into a wall and a couple th- there's going to be more sound effects. So uh, that's, that's coming. Uh, as far as the music goes... Um, the uh, I'll get I'll get back to the, the game specific question, but uh, just just to round out the topic, uh, Electric Moo is making uh, 
a whole variety of different uh, musical tracks, uh, some of which are done and are actually have been overlaid on uh, the gameplay videos uh, that we have uh, on a link to our page. Uh, and, uh, he's, and, and more of those are coming. And those are all going to be bundled on uh, an audio CD that will be available with uh, the game through some of the, uh, the Kickstarter tiers. And that would be intended to be essentially played on, you know, some kind of modern device, if not a CD player, you know, rip in the, uh, uh, the CD and play it, you know, from your iPod or iPad, whatever, wherever, you know, while, while playing Ox or Chaos, either in an emulator or on the real Apple II, uh, you know, as you prefer. Uh, so that's, that's one musical pathway that, that's been planned out. Um, now, as far as actual 8-bit uh, in-game music goes, uh, you know, that, that really, you know, pretty much takes uh, a car like a Mockingboard to, uh, to get something uh, substantial going there with music. And uh, that is something that we're going to be researching uh, as to whether we can support that. It comes down to, you know, basically speed and memory resources at this point. Uh, the game engine is mostly done. There's some fine-tuning that needs to be done, uh, you know, as the storyline and uh, maps and, you know, actually game design process moves forward. You know, that's going to drive some more, uh, you know, tweaking of the game engine. And somewhere in the midst of all that, uh, we'll resolve the question of essentially can we dedicate enough resources to support the Mockingboard uh, without significantly disrupting things that we've already, you know, more or less put in play. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure exactly when when that will be known, but, uh, you know, certainly I would say over the course of the next year uh, that that will get uh, determined. So in, in summary, though, I, I mean, just, just in full disclosure to everybody, you know, we're not guaranteeing, you know, Mockingboard support. We'd certainly like to have it, uh, you know, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not guaranteed at this point. I'll allow it. <laughs> I don't have a Mockingboard anyway, so what do I care? <laughs> I'm all about normal, normal middle. Okay, so. I, you know, I never had one in the 1980s either. Uh, I, my experience with the uh, game playing, and including the 8-bit role-playing games, was never with a Mockingboard, so mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, uh, you know, not not that it changes, you know, my desire to support the platform because I know it's popular, but uh, it, it it actually feels weird to me to play like Ultima with the Mockingbird music on because that's never how I played it, you know. Totally, totally the same, totally the same with me. Um, as a Canadian, I have a question for you, which is: <laughs> Will the will there be options for international delivery, or is this going to be like a U.S. only thing? Like, what about people overseas or up here in the Great White North? You know, one of the countries not currently on fire or underwater. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we, we are, we are uh, uh, see ourselves as a worldwide uh, operation, and uh, there, there absolutely will be uh, shipping options available for uh, Canada as well as uh, every other country uh, on Earth. And, and if I recall, our, our shipping uh, tiers are organized as U.S., Canada, and everywhere else. That's how and I think of the world, too. Yeah, and, and it's uh, and also just how the shipping companies you know think of the world and the way they price things. So you know we reflect it accordingly. Cool. So have you set prices yet for the different uh, levels uh, that the people can contribute? Uh, yes, uh, it starts at uh, twenty dollars for a digital copy of the game, uh, and uh, that in addition to uh, being you know great folks and helping out the project. Uh, it gets uh, you know them access to the game sooner uh, than the uh, uh, the free edition that will eventually be available by download, um, and uh, it uh, goes from there to a forty dollar uh, 
plastic bag edition. And the uh, collector's boxes uh, start at uh, uh, $130 for the Apple II, uh, $120 for the, uh, the PC Mac. Just there's a, it's a lot more expensive to do the floppy disks and the duplication, which is the kind of the differential there. Uh, and we have four collector's box editions in total. All of them include a game box, fabric map, and game artifact uh, such as uh, Crown Jewel. Uh, and uh, as well as a printed manual, all with professional uh, custom artwork. Uh, and uh, the uh, higher level collector's box tiers layer in additional feelies, uh, such as a wax sealed envelope uh, with a writ from the king in it, uh, uh, chainmail artifact, and uh, limited edition certificates and uh, in game rewards. Uh, for tiers with the in game rewards, uh, players will get to name an object in the game. Uh, such as a village, a mountain, a waterfall, or a weapon. Uh, oh, I could do some damage with that. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, uh, the 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 intention there is is to to give people pretty free reign with it as long as it's not something you know inappropriate or. Oh, or I'm out. Uh, we'll uh, we'll open it up. And now that I hear Carrington say that, I, I, I may have to rethink the fine print on that. <laughs> Another thing I hear a lot. Yeah. So uh, additionally, uh, for for the, uh, the the tiers with the in-game rewards, these refer to the uh, to the ultimate level tiers as they're stated on the site uh, that have the in-game rewards. The player will also appear in the scrolls of nobili- nobility um, as uh, a baron of the realm, and uh, these scrolls will be discovered uh, by players in-game. Uh, so that's uh, that's one way for folks to uh, just write themselves right into uh, to the game uh, is is through that ultimate level tier. And uh, uh, one of the other cool rewards we have lined up is a retro gaming issue of Juice GS Magazine, uh, which will feature Nox Archaeus content and as well as uh, content on other retro games. And the issue is exclusively available through uh, the Nox Archaeus Kickstarter, so we're pretty excited about that. Hmm. Now, and, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Mike. No, I, I was just, I'm hearing all of these really great, you know, the, the in-game content and being able to name things Carrington in the game and <laughs> all the uh, packages available. I'm hearing and the wonderful feelies like the the chainmail fragment that sounds awesome. Yeah, that but, was at Kansas uh, Fest. It was really cool. <laughs> but the one thing I'm not hearing is a, an option for cassette. You're talking about sending stuff on baggies, and yet there's no cassette. Mark, what's going on here? Ah, well, that's uh, that that that's that is a fair point. Uh, <laughs> I, I did not not mention cassettes, and uh, that was something with the baggies. You know that uh, it did come with that. I'll be I'll just be perfectly candid uh, on that. Uh, uh, the the time when I got involved in Apple II computing, uh, I don't remember the exact year. It was sometime in the '80s, but it, floppy drives were the norm at that point. I never I did not really have any experience in the cassette era, and. Uh, as as a result, um, it, it it was the sort of thing from a programming standpoint where I thought, you know, I don't know the first thing about this, and rather than start from ground zero on figuring that out, I I, I, I basically just chose to spend uh, you know invest the time uh, spent in other ways. Uh, but I completely appreciate that cassettes was was for many people part of that uh, that that early gaming experience. No, I want it to be done on printed nibble style pages in a type in version. <laughs> That's right. 
can never make all of so us happy. So if, if we got to get it down to punch cards to, <laughs> to make everybody happy here. Then, <laughs> I, I want you to send me black and white members. stones that represent the bits of the game. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, on that flippy, bendy vinyl stuff that they made the records of, that they put <laughs> like the, a couple of those ROM uh, Apple II programs on. A flexi disc, perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't have uh, don't have the cassette, don't have the uh, the punch card version or anything like that. But uh, I want the code and interpretive dance. I mean, you can't make <laughs> us all happy, but um, I think it's amazing that you do have so many levels that it'll be accessible to lots of different yeah. people. And the high end stuff, like that real, you know, hands on tangible experience with lots of feelies, that's super cool. I mean, that's something that doesn't come out a lot. A lot of new software is made for the Apple II, but not a lot comes necessarily in. Um, physical copies and and those that come in baggies and stuff like that. I love that, but I I love that you've got a couple of tiers, um, including ones where you're going to get a, a like a, a canvas map. I keep wanting to say cloth map. So why'd you guys go with a canvas map instead of a cloth one? Uh, well, a couple reasons. Uh, one, uh, quite uh, quite candidly, is the availability of materials. Uh, I I don't know how that was sourced back in the '80s to get it on cloth. You know, we we weren't finding it. And once we found the canvas option, we actually didn't look real hard because uh, the prototype we did in canvas, we're actually kind of liking that a bit better because uh, if you want to put that on the wall or something, uh, the canvas is flexible, uh, you know, so you can kind of get that, you know, folded up feel like with a cloth map. Uh, but but it's, a, a, you know, a little bit easier if you want to, you know, just like tack it to the wall or something like that. Uh, in, in our thinking. So we really kind of started to feel like it was maybe a little bit better way to do it. And uh, that was uh, uh, where the canvas map uh, decision came from. And uh, glad to hear that you like the uh, reward tiers, the, uh, the mm -hmm. higher level reward tiers with uh, some of the extra feelies and the in-game stuff. Uh, and uh, actually there's, uh, there's one I hadn't told you about yet. It's actually our, uh, our top level uh, rewards tier which I believe is called uh, Lord of the Realm, the Lord of the Realm tier, um, for a couple of reasons. One is because uh, uh, backers of that tier will get uh, written into the Scrolls of Nobility as a either the Lord of the North or the Lord of the South, one of the two, because there's only two of these tiers available. Um, and uh, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that, uh, that comes in uh, these uh, tiers as well uh, that has a special in-game reward of uh, owning your own pub and uh, there will be many pubs in the realm but only only two of them that have uh, a player owner and the uh, the, the backer player uh, who uh, who owns them will be acknowledged by the bartender as the owner uh, of the pub and will have a private uh, dining room or party room uh, that uh, they will have access to uh, you know through getting a key uh, and so forth and uh you know, see, we'll, we'll see what else we can imagine, but that's that's the uh, uh, the basic construct of, of, of how what owning a, a pub will be like, and and uh, we'll see what we can do with it from there. Uh, additionally, the uh, top level rewards tier, this Lord of the Realm tier, uh, has uh, the uh, the flamethrower. Uh, for those that saw the the Kickstarter, or not the Kickstarter, the Kansas Fest presentation video, we. Did an homage to uh, to Spaceballs rolling out Nox or Chaos the game box, Nox or Chaos <laughs> the map, culminating with Nox or Chaos the flamethrower and that that model uh, wood model hand painted uh, flamethrower uh, that replica is uh, there's two of them and they will be available in that uh, that top rewards tier. 
Uh, and uh, la- last but not least, uh, the top rewards tier, Lord of the Realm, will have uh, limited edition uh, certificates number two and number three. Uh, and actually, the reason it's number two and number three is an interesting story. Uh, Richard Garriott uh, liked and retweeted one of the Nox or Chaos announcements I posted on Twitter, and uh, he said he still runs an Apple II, and I said, well, I'd be honored if he would accept uh, box set number one of uh, Nox or Chaos, and he agreed. So needless to say, that made my day, <laughs> uh, and so I, I, you know, I have to say sorry, folks, but the king has claimed uh, certificate number one, uh, <laughs> but uh, number two through 20 uh, will be available on Kickstarter. So if Richard Garriott, who we all know as Lord British, um, what's your title? Well, you know, I don't have one. Uh, oh, can I, I, can I, I name you? Some point <laughs> is that a tier? Sorry, I'll totally name you. I want to name you. Is that a tier? I'll totally name you. It'll stick, dude. Oh, yeah, that It'll should stick. Be a tier. I was going to say, if somebody wants to name me, you know, that would be fine. But I felt a little awkward doing it myself because, one, I couldn't come up with anything cool. And, two, you know, I... I they say, uh, uh, you know, copying is the uh, sincerest form of flattery or something like this. But nonetheless, I didn't want to take it too far and, like, walk around like I'm trying to be Lord British. There's only one Lord British, hmm. you know, so... Uh, Although, speaking, speaking of lords, though, like, the tiers where you can become baron, whatever, or the higher tier where you can become lord, whatever, presumably you could be baroness or lady. It's not going to be, like, this is all dudes, it's a world of dudes, there are nothing but dudes. <laughs> Great question. Uh, backers will be able to choose whether they want their title to be Baron or Baroness and Lord or Lady. Um, okay, I've, switching tracks, I have a question about the writ from the king, uh, which is, I think, one of the very cool things in in one of the tiers, uh, where you get that, like, the hand sealed in, in, in wax, um, and that, that's pretty cool. And it's similar to sort of things that would appear in, like, old Infocom games. Like, that's that's one of the classic feelies, something sealed in wax that, you, like, you'd have to open up. And it's nice because then you get, like, that, that box, and when you later, you know, 10 years want to flip this on eBay, then you can have the open box, but still some of the feelies are sealed, and it really helps keep the collectible value. So I dig that. Um, sure. But the wax, the wax sealed feelies in things like old Infocom games have not survived very well in the last thing of 30, 40 years, um, with the wax oozing off and things breaking, whatever. So, which just leads to the broader question: Have you given any thought? in selecting the materials and such of the collector's editions to long-term like archiving, like uh, whether it's the kind of paper that's going to last or inks or that sort of thing. Like, w- was that at all a consideration when you created your feelies? Uh, it definitely was a consideration. And uh, I, I, I don't have a lot of details on that because that's actually one of the uh, uh, areas of the project that, that Mike Reimer heads up is the actual production of the, the, the physical items. And, uh, but I know that was something that, that he was considering when looking at, like you said, the things like the paper and, uh, you know, map materials and, and things like that. Uh, and, uh, that's interesting. You mentioned that about the wax. I, I didn't realize that, 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 that was, uh, that that was an issue. And, um, uh, I'm not, I'll, I'll see if there's anything we can do on that. Maybe some, some waxes are more durable than others. And, and if that's the case, you know, we'll certainly go for, uh, for a more dur- durable one. It'll help my eBay resale. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. <laughs> now, uh, you may have answered this earlier, and if you did, I apologize. Carrington asked a question, and so I stopped listening for about five <laughs> minutes. But 
So when is all of this going to be available and shipping to, to users? Sure. Uh, the target release date for uh, the game is the end of 2018. You know, as, as we all know, uh, when it comes to game release dates, they have a tendency to change. So I emphasize the word target date here. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, everybody can be assured that uh, we're all going to be working very hard uh, practically nonstop until, uh, till, until this project is done. Uh, it has uh, been a lifelong goal of mine to uh, to make a game like this, and you know, and it's finally coming into reality in a way that's more spectacular than I think I ever could have imagined <laughs> in terms of uh, you know what what's what's been able to be possible. And uh, this is other other than my day job, this is like what I do. Uh, all other hobbies have put on been put on hold, and every day I spend hours and hours working on this. So. Uh, that that is that is uh, the one thing everybody can be sure of uh, is that level of commitment, and uh, you know we're we're, we're absolutely going to do our best to uh, to get it available as soon as possible, uh, but also at the same time making sure that the quality is there and that it's not released uh, too soon. That's really great. So um, switching uh, gears again for uh, briefly, uh, this was your first Kansas Fest, yes? Yes, yes, it was. And what were your impressions? Well, I, Other than I thought Carrington. <laughs> I, I yes, yeah, yeah. That that was uh, I think a disclaimer that was right there on the door when I walked in. Warning, Carrington. <laughs> Warning. Yeah. Beware of Carrington. <laughs> exactly. J- Jason Scott and, uh, and and another another gentleman were up there, kind okay, of like monitoring the door, and it's making sure that people saw. The disclaimer about Carrington on the door to show an initial something, you know, to assert, uh, test that, that you had seen it. You know, it was one of those deals. <laughs> but uh, other than that, um, I thought uh, Kansas Fest was an incredibly fun and unique experience. Uh, definitely glad I went. Wish I had gone before. Uh, plan on attending next year. Uh, every, everybody was very friendly, and it was uh, it was easy to get to know people in a way that, uh, you know, just, just really doesn't happen at, at other tech conventions. So, um, it, it, it was really nice. Great. Carrington, do you have any more questions for Mark? Nope. I'm okay. really looking forward to the game. I can't wait. And I love yeah. the fact that you're doing the feelies and stuff. The preview at K-Fest got me even more excited. Uh, it's everything I would want in a, like a, a modern version of a tile-based RPG from the eighties. It's just like, you know, what if they had never stopped, developing like triple a development had kept going on the apple II. like this is this is what a tile-based rpg would be and that's really exciting and that's that's exactly one of the uh the goals of the project and one of the most exciting things to us about it is we feel like we're standing on the shoulders of giants and putting ourselves in their shoes and you know just imagining well what would they have done like you said Carrington, if development had continued on the platform what if the pc mac revolution had been five years later uh, and, and definitely what we're finding is, is there, there was, you know, the, uh, in the eighties, they did not, you know, tap out the machine. There's was more of the machine there to be, uh, to be, to be utilized in more, more advanced games. And, you know, we feel very, we feel, uh, very excited and very privileged to, uh, be able to, to go on that, uh, exploratory path. Well, I don't have any, um, you know, insider or introspection like Carrington does. So I'll just say that I really want this game. Hurry up. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I uh, appreciate the, the enthusiasm uh, for sure. And, you know, we'll do our best on that. And uh, I, I just like to, uh, to kind of, I guess, say in closing here, Thank you very much uh, to uh, to the Apple II community for all of your support and encouragement and, and enthusiasm throughout uh, uh, the project. And uh, you know the the Kickstarter's live now. Uh, check it out, Kickstarter.noxarchaos.com. Uh, and you know we we humbly uh, ask for your support. Uh, you know in this adventure, uh, we're 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 in it together. It's about all of us. And uh, you know, there's there's a, a number of reasons beyond uh, just the feelies and, and getting you know access to the game uh, uh, first, being one of the first players. Uh, a number of reasons, uh, you know, to to support the game that uh, the project that I'd really like to uh, to mention. Uh, one is that um, the more people who back the Nox Archaeus campaign, uh, the more encouragement I think it may provide to others who develop uh, Apple II games in general and uh, encouragement to develop large-scale RPGs in uh, particular. Uh, as, as many of us know, developing any Apple II game is a lot of work. Uh, and uh, an eight-disc side game, uh, what it's projected to be like Nox or Cast, is uh, an absolutely tremendous amount of work. And uh, uh, I also had a great chat with uh, uh, Martin Hay at Kansas Fest where we both expressed our hope that our projects would inspire others because... Uh, you know, we want to see the Apple II community grow, and also because we'd like to play some Apple II RPGs that we don't know the ending to. So, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is a chance to you know give it all all a big push, and then uh, lastly, I, this might be the most important reason at all uh, of uh, uh, why why your support is so important to this project is Unknown Realm launched a Kickstarter for the Commodore 64 in. Uh, January of 2017, just earlier this year. It was an unprecedented success in the retro world, receiving over a 1,000 backers. And we in the Apple II community, of course, don't want to be shown up by the Commodore 64 <laughs> folks, so we got to get behind this. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Mark. Uh, it was nice to talk to you again, and we definitely mm -hmm. look forward to playing the game, and we will... We will most certainly... Uh, well, Quinn will uh, most certainly have a review uh, on an upcoming episode. All right. Well, that sounds great. Uh, thanks for having me on and your encouragement and support and uh, definitely look forward to the review. All right. This is an Apple II, and this is an Apple also. This Apple is the original personal computer, easy to own, easy to use, and both Apples can help you get ahead in school. But this one can help you get ahead in life. It can do forecasts, manage money, edit reports. You can use this Apple thousands of ways to be more productive. Only one problem, you can't eat it. Apple, the personal computer. All right, once again, thank you, Mark. Uh, that was a great interview, and uh, we'll be sure to have this episode out before next week for some reason. <laughs> and um, <laughs> RCR is totally going to scoop you. <laughs> Arr, shaking fist uh, alright uh, let's do some news let's do some news it may be old but there's still news Apple 2 news alright uh, first item up Evan Koblenz was at Kansas Fest and he wrote an article for the Tech Republic about it uh, did you read this 
I did indeed. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I, w- I was at Kansas Fest, so, you know, well, drop, dropping some names here. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it was a really good write-up. Uh, I love reading things about Kansas Fest in advance of Kansas Fest because it helps me get excited. And I love reading things about Kansas Fest after Kansas Fest because it helps <laughs> me remember. So, because it goes by in a blur. I thought he was like a, 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 it was a good summary and another taste for people who haven't gone. Anybody listening to this podcast kind of already knows about Kansas Fest and they should be going because it's super fun. Um, but in Evan's article, there's a quote that I thought really resonated with me um, from uh, Kate Stocknicki. Uh, Scott Nicky? Kate Scott Nicky. That's how it's pronounced. Um, it was something like, we all have our own niche nerdiness, and this is just just mine. Um, and I thought it was great, because like the people who go to Kansas Fest share that, that like super nerdy you're not enthusiastically non-ironic love of the Apple II, um, but often have the same super enthusiastic other niche nerd loves. Like she talked specifically about how she goes to other cons and anime things, stuff like that. And that's what I found at Kansas Fest. It's a gathering of our type of people. So, uh, and I thought, I thought the article kind of really talks about that in a way that maybe some other articles don't. That when you go there, like everybody's super into the Apple II, but you will probably find other people who are super into that other weird niche thing that you're also into. Um, and I have found that to Atari. be the case. Atari. So, well, not Atari, but, like, <laughs> but you know, good things. Um, and I just love it. Kansas Fest is so awesome. It is. Yeah. Uh, we had actually uh, spoken to Evan back in 2014 on Open Apple uh, number 36. He was on to talk about uh, his uh, sort of uh, vintage love, and that's been the VCF programs. I think at the time he was talking about VCF East 9.1. Um, so, but it's nice to see Evan branching out like that um, and showing up at um, other stuff because I, you know, VCF has traditionally been, at least in the past, the ones that that I went to um, were more about you know deck and and mainframes and mini computers, and that's fine. Um, he said dismissively, and, uh, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> you know, if you like that sort of thing. Exactly. <laughs> if you're into that, it's fine. <laughs> no king shaming here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, in fact, I, I liked uh, what, what uh, Kate said uh, a lot. I, I went to um, a, com- a Comic-Con here in Denver a couple of years ago, and Will Wheaton was here, and he was actually speaking about, you know, uh, nerds and the stuff that they love and how it's not about what we love, but it's about how we love the things that we love. And once we start getting into, you know, the, if we, if we start making it about the things that we love, um, then it becomes a whole lot easier to, to gatekeep and to make it about, you know, you're not good enough to like this, like I do sort of a thing, Mm -hmm. rather than talking about, you know, there could be football nerds or there could be, you know, they're car nerds. And it's, it's not necessarily the thing that I love, but it, I can find connection and identify with how much they like the things that they like and how deep they're willing to dive on on what they love. So. Yeah, there's very little gatekeeping at at Kansas Society. We, yeah, we mock so Atari people because you know Atari <laughs> people. It's, it's hard not to, but nobody really says to them, "You're not a real Apple II fan." I mean, they like the Apple II too. They just have a misguided love for other things. Right. Um, but it's but it's all good. Like everyone's welcome. I find it a very welcoming space. I, mm, I dig it. I absolutely. Dig it very much. Yep. So what was your favorite session? Uh, probably the keynote. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know that's not really a session, but I'm uh, like, you know, actually, no, I was going to say like Antoine and Olivier's like from Brutal Deluxe, they gave the keynote. It was really good. A lot of times 
I'm not into the keynote. <laughs> the keynote is like the thing that disappoints me at, at, at Gansfest, to be perfectly honest. I know, an unpopular opinion, but I'm like, yeah, whatever. Get to the real sessions. Uh, but I really dig this. Um, actually, no, probably it's, it's one that Kevin ran. Uh, he did this, this game show. It was like a, 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 a family feud with, with vintage computer questions. And, and, <laughs> oh um, Ken Gagney was behind a screen and he was like the computer. So we would, his arm would come out with pieces of paper saying like 100 or <laughs> <laughs> or the X for the buzz. It was so funny. Um, so something like that. Like you just, you're just not going to experience that in a different place, right? And I just, mm. I was rolling with laughter. It was so good. So probably awesome. that was the most entertaining one. That's really great. Yeah. Did you get to uh, experience any of the uh, K-Fest after dark nightlife activities? I did. Um, this year, I did like nothing for Kansas. <laughs> so I had lots of time to experience everything. I did no sessions. I didn't do Hackfest. I just took a vacation that happened to be at Kansas Fest. So I got lots of hanging out time. I saw most of the sessions. And, you just and, took, and, took, took and gave nothing back. Yeah. I, I don't even know if there was things like Bite the Bag this year. Bite the Bag is... Mm -hmm. No longer has appealed to me. It's like ridiculous. I'm like, whatever. Like, <laughs> okay. Who can bend that way? I'm like 900 years old. <laughs> right. I can barely bend. I can barely get into a chair, let alone out of one. Um, so no. Uh, but that kind of stuff. It's it, honestly, it's it's this. It's the social stuff. It's the fact that you're living there. It's all about the people. Um, but it's like the sessions. I'm super into the sessions. Just like when I go to a, like a fan con, I'm all about the sessions, not the not the celebrities. Same thing here. It's sitting down, have somebody talk high end stuff, low level things. Just talking about basic graphics, whatever. Love the sessions, but yeah, the 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 after stuff, hanging out in the lounge, going out to dinner, just all that kind of thing. Super into it. You just there's some people that I really love, like some of my best friends. I see once a year at Kansas Fest, and if other people who haven't gone. If you go to Kansas Fest, you will make some new best friends, um, uh, or some friends. <laughs> like <and> period. <laughs> so for some of us, you know, there's not a lot of chance for that. So uh, I dig it. I dig it so much. I love it. It's one of the highlights of my year. They'll be your best friend whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. I impose myself on people. I'm like a barnacle in your life. It's just like, hi, I'm your friend. <laughs> <laughs> you have no choice in the matter. Yeah. So for people who didn't get to attend who are losers like me, uh, there are a number of K Kansas Fest 2017 videos available now on YouTube. Um, and there's a, a handy dandy playlist that you can uh, just click the link. We'll have that in the show notes and, and you can head right over there. Uh, I, I gotta say, um, I, I really enjoy the advance of technology that allows at least that to be made available mm -hmm. because, you know, for years and years, they didn't even have that. Um, and there was, you know, arguments about whether, well, if we, if we put the videos out there, is that going to devalue, you know, the experience of Kansas nah, Fest, which of it's course not, not the same at all. Watching the video just makes you want to go. You don't get the experience at all. However, I'm really happy they do it. And frankly, I wish these videos existed from like the very first Kansas Fest on because mm -hmm. it's archiving this event. It's keeping it for people a hundred years from now who cannot get in their time machine and go back. Otherwise, they'd already be here. Although we did get like a hundred people attending. So that was amazing. Um, yeah. But it's more for people who cannot attend. Some people will not be able to attend because of geography, because of whatever, like social stuff. They're like, I cannot be around other people or, or economics. Although those golden ticket things, I'm super cool, keen on that. Or just time. It is 25 years later and you can't go, I cannot now go and attend Kansas Fest, you know, 2001. Because it's 2017 now. Too right. late for me. <laughs> so if those videos exist, they exist for all time. And that's amazing. There is no downside at all. And I'm very happy they exist. Now, I know that there, for a number of years, uh, there was a guy who would show up. Um, first name is Greg, can't remember his last name. I haven't been recently, so I don't know if he still goes, but he used to show up every year with a VHS um, camera, one of those big shoulder mount things, and he would record every single session. And I kept 
I keep meaning to ask him, like, where are those tapes and can we have them and put them online? But uh, mm. in the mean, in the meantime, there are plenty of videos, uh, certainly from uh, this year. And I know, you know, last year and going back a couple, even to the year that uh, Waz showed up in 2013. And um, I, I don't know if Syndicom still sells stuff online anymore for Apple II, but I know at one point they were selling, um, you know, Waz's KeyFest from like 2003, the first time he showed up. And uh, so there are a few things here and there that are available. But you're right, uh, Carrington. I think there's a huge, you know, gap there. Of, of this, wait, wait. This say, moment. say you're right, Carrington. <laughs> oh, it gave me a little shiver. Say it again. Say it, Mike. I won't. Lean, no, lean in no, close to the microphone no. and say it. Say I won't. Whisper to Mike. No. Whisper to me. No. Oh. <laughs> Carrington, you may have been onto something uh, <laughs> when you pointed out that I had to that. make it weird. <laughs> you did. Carrington advanced no. the story. <laughs> Um, that, um, you know, this is a, a big chunk of Apple II, his rich, rich chunk of Apple II history that's just um, maybe not as filled in as it could be. But if you want to contribute to next year's uh, party and, and be a part of that history, which no doubt will be, you know, videoed and put online, uh, the dates for Kansas Fest 2018 have been announced. And that's going to happen uh, July 17th through the 22nd. Um, and you can show up on the 16th if you want and get your dorm room and just hang out. Registration will be uh, opening in spring, months and months and months from now, and feels like years. But uh, until then, enjoy the videos. I didn't come the like the day early this year and i should have i regretted not doing that so next year i will be there like on the monday before the sunday or whatever the pre-day is i'm going mm -hmm. yeah i i for the first couple of years that i went i didn't make that day either and didn't think it was a big deal until i went and and had the chance to just hang out and and mm -hmm. conversate with other apple II users and um which like we talked about is a big part of kansas fest it's yeah. just the hanging out stuff i'm like oh it's really just another day of kansas fest so uh, why did i why did i squander <laughs> that like gold in my hands uh so next year definitely yeah so i, th I think if you um if you um show up and and hang out with us on the day before you're, you're probably it's probably going to be something you're not ever going to want to miss again mm-hmm Carrington, how much would you pay for an Apple One computer? $130,000. Uh, here we go again. Another Apple One is going uh, up for auction. Um, looks like on September 12th, a couple of days from now, so like eight months after you're actually listening to this. Uh, this uh, but but only, only three days after you heard about it on RCR. <laughs> that never gets old. I'm just cutting the hell out of that. I'm just, it's, that's all clipped out. Another never thing I hear a lot. Never going to make it to air. <laughs> Uh, this Apple One is being sold by uh, David Larson, a former uh, Virginia Tech uh, professor, who he himself bought the computer from Adam Skulski in 1994 for a mere $3,500. And while the bottom has kind of fallen out, I think, um, of the Apple One uh, auction craze, I don't think it's going to go for as little as 3500 bucks. No, and also it's got – I mean, I find the whole purchase of an Apple One at these ridiculous prices to be just – Crazy. Why is anybody doing that? That is just silly. You have better things to do with your life. Get an Apple II. It's, it's a better computer and it'll cost you way less, but whatever. Um, so this one does have a couple of things going for it, I guess. That, I mean, every time there's an Apple One auction, they say, oh, this is why this one's special, but whatever. So this one's claims to fame are, uh, includes a drawing by 
um, Ron Wayne, who was Apple's third co-founder, like the guy you never hear about. And, right. uh, but he did the, he wrote the Apple One manual. He uh, designed the original Apple logo, which I don't mean the colorful logo one that we all love, but the, the crazy, huge, complicated black and white one with the dude under the tree. So he did that one. Uh, and colorful has a U for those listening. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> How dare you? Uh, but it also c- contains something that supposedly, I guess, according to this, this write up is rarer than the computer itself, which is the Apple one cassette interface card. Um, which I guess they're saying most Apple one owners never purchased it. And, and so most of the existing ones, the ones that remain in existence don't have that. So it, it comes with that. Um, so yay, I guess, but why, why would you drop over a hundred grand on a computer? What is your problem? You have too much money if you're doing that. That's what I think. Yeah, that's um, that's quite excessive. Unless you're unless you're a museum, you know, looking to to preserve this thing and make it available for people to come and wonder at behind glass. Um, I, I can't see. You know, you have too much money. Uh, I'm kidding. But uh, this also includes. Uh, I'm not kidding. Year. I'm from Canada. We're all socialists. <laughs> you have too true. much money <laughs> and a lot of maple syrup. Um, <laughs> The uh, it also includes a copy of the uh, Zaltair ad, the fake ad that uh, was and Randy Wigginton put together uh, to make kind of poke fun at the uh, Altair. Oh, that's computer. cool. That's yeah. cool. And that's got to be well, worth fifty grand there, <laughs> right? Well, if you if you showed up at Kansas Fest twenty thirteen, you probably remember that Randy Wigginton had a box of these things that he was handing out. So you could have gotten that for much cheaper had you gone to Kansas Fest in twenty thirteen. Um, so what would you say, you know, 50, 60 bucks, maybe in most they, they, yeah, they, if they pay me 50, 60 bucks, I'd take it. <laughs> you, oh, you're, you're taking money to take it off their hands. Sure. I, I'm, a, I'm a busy guy with my, my busy lifestyle. I'm going to be weighed <laughs> down by these Apple ones. Busy lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> so this thing's available. Uh, we'll be, uh, auctioned off at charity buzz. Dot com and we'll have a link in the show notes that you can go and look at after it's been sold because of course this won't go up until May of next year. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um let's see. Oh, the rainbow apple logo uh, recently uh <laughs> recently turned 18 retired. Yep, yeah, th- this is ridiculous. Why is this even in the notes? But okay, let's talk about <laughs> this. This is ridiculous. I'm going through the these open apple notes trying to keep up with the, the all this news mm-hmm. you talk about. I'm, it's hard for me to be on a show that we're actually trying to talk about things instead of me just making everything up. But okay, I can barely get my head around this as news. So the Rainbow <laughs> Apple logo, which is like the one we were just talking about, like not the original Apple logo, but the kind of the one in the middle, the rainbow. The one that's on all one. the Apple II stuff. So that one recently celebrated 18 years from no longer being from the retirement. Like what? What? <laughs> so like, so it's, there's the solid logo, which replaced it. And so I guess that's been around for 18 years. Who celebrates an 18 year, two years from now, this will be news. But the current <laughs> one has been around for 20 years. Uh, what? <laughs> Why is this a thing on the show? It's talk to Cult of Mac. They posted the article. Um, I just put it in there to see if you were actually paying attention. Well, I read all it. your links. Clearly you did. So uh, happy retirement or something. Way I don't to go. Know. 18 years um, of not using that logo. I still like that logo. That's still, I mean, for most of us, that to me is the iconic Apple logo, not the original, original one that that weird black and white one and not the modern one, although it's perfectly fine. The, the red apple, mm-hmm. the rainbow stripe bite out of it logo. That to me is the app. That'll always, it's like, you know, you always have your favorite doctor who is your, and it's your first doctor. Same thing here. Fourth doctor is my doctor. Rainbow logo is my logo. Rainbow <laughs> doctor would be the ultimate doctor. Just, um, I see. I see. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, on to other news that has little to do with this podcast. Uh, <laughs> PC, 
PC Mag visited the Living Computers Museum. Um, and I mentioned it mostly because we like to talk about that museum on the show because they do have a lot of interesting Apple II and a couple of Apple I things. And the great thing about this, as opposed to some of the other museums, is everything in there works and you can touch and play with it. I think that's one of the requirements for the the um, computers that they have on display is that, that uh, they are accessible mm-hmm. to everyone. I think that's why they call it a living computer museum because so? everything's you working and you can from? interact with them. That just makes me want to go to a living dinosaur museum. <laughs> I waste this on a computer museum, but whatever. And I guess the collection uh, is founded on or started off with the stuff from uh, Paul Allen, who was Microsoft's mm-hmm. co-founder, which is why a, a lot of it is skewed towards the the things that influenced him and were big in his career, like in the pre-PC days, and then a lot of PC stuff. But yes, of course, there's also um, Apple One and Apple Two stuff there. So yay for that. Yep. So if you're up in that area, go. I, I've heard it's uh, really great. There's a lot of uh, interesting, fun things to see and do. Um, and, um, yeah, that's really all I, we have to say about that. Um, what else do we have? Let's see. Oh, we've talked on the show a bunch about how we thought, uh, Elk Cloner was the first computer virus and apparently it's not, it's the first Apple II virus, I guess. But I found this article about Creeper, which is, it was released in like 1971. Yeah. Crazy, um, huh? I did not know yeah. about this. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. This thing is, uh, really, 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 really old and, and was, Obviously, uh, it's almost older than me. Why are you singing <laughs> Spice Girls songs to me? Jeez. Oh, because I'm old. That's what and I we, do. We're speaking of music, though, so this was created by a guy named Bob Thomas, who I'm pretty sure was the lead singer of Matchbox 20, so nobody seems to be talking about that. But that's pretty weird. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, this creeper thing spread through ARPANET, so it shows you how old this was. Uh-huh. It jumped from PC to PC, like printing a file or printing a bit of a file, then moving on. And kind of being a really gentle virus, it would move, it would erase itself and move on. So it sort of showed up, did its thing, left, and there was essentially no downside to it. Right. And then after, after creeper came something, like a couple years later came Reaper, which I guess was like the first antivirus thing and was designed to stop creeper. And some people think it's written by the same person or it might have been written by somebody else. So, And then the first big, big virus would have been that brain one, um, uh, which because that's from like 1986 or whatever, which was like a PC virus that hit, you know, a couple tens of thousands of PCs. So I think that's the first like big, big one. I always thought of Elk Cloner as being the first. I think I've frequently said that was the first virus. So the yeah, Apple II has lost too. the claim to fame here, alas. Ah, uh, boo, boo for us. Oh, actually, no, how could Brain was in 1986? So that can't have been the first big virus because Windows was 1985. <laughs> there and you go. Like, right. By any definition, Windows 1.0 yeah. is definitely a virus. <laughs> Microsoft is or still battling the Trojan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there uh, is a, an interesting, um, they have a screenshot of the uh, old, you know, the green and white uh, printout because they didn't have screenshots, I guess, back then. And the the only message is, I'm the creeper. Catch me if you can. Totally great pickup line. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I use that in bars a lot. It does not work. <laughs> Give a hard pass on that one. I um yeah, shocking that that, that people just like don't want to have anything to do with that. <laughs> I just go to the bar, I say that, and I leave the bar and no one follows. <laughs> but I encourage you to keep using it. Let us let us know if it, you know, ever changes. <laughs> if it, if it works out better for me later, That's cool. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep on that. Um, Keratin, who is this Ken Gagne guy? Gagne. It's pronounced oh, Gagne. Oh, I insist. Okay. It's pronounced Gagne. Gotcha. Uh, Ken. Ken, awesome dude, friend of the show, friend mm, of us. Yes. Uh, he has restarted the, um, the retro computing aggregation site, um, Retro Roundup, which was around for ages. Um, and he's like taken it over and brought it back bigger and better than ever. And it's super awesome. And I'm really happy he's doing this. 
Yeah, and um, you know, there's there's uh, little um, check boxes on the on the right that you can choose what you want to see. So if you're just interested in Apple II, that's all you got to click. And they have some other computers there. I don't know why anyone would care about that, but um, you can also choose the format that you want the news. So if you just want um, you know blog entries, you can pick those. There's news. There's a bunch of podcast entries, um, or you can switch over to to games and and pick that. Um, I don't. There's not a lot there right now for those particular items, but. Uh, this thing is uh, really well done, and I think Kevin Savitz uh, said on that Antic podcast that he was the one that set that up and then just kind of let it languish because he realized he had too much other stuff to do. And they talked about it, Ken and, and Kevin, and uh, worked it out, and Ken took over and did his magic that he does, and now it's awesome. I, yep. I highly recommend checking this out. And there's even a subscribe thing, so you don't you just hit the sub- subscribe once and you never have to go back to the webpage. Yep. Yep, this is the one of two things that Ken has done recently that we'll be talking about on the show, and this is the one that I like. So, so I want to okay. remind Ken when he listens later, and I talk about the thing I don't like, that I was really positive about this one. This one's awesome. RetroRoundup.com, super awesome. I have bookmarked it. I will frequent it. I suggest others to go. It's great. Go, Ken. The other item? Hmm, not so much. <laughs> We'll get we to love it. to talk about <laughs> we love to talk about Apple II clones on the show, and I stumbled across what? another one as I was. I just want to be your frequent listeners. I want to say <laughs> what? What? Because they're cool. It's fun to talk about Apple II compatible. Oh, like sort of anybody involved in this, including myself, even knows what cool means. Come on, well, saw us both in high school. I like. Cool. I have my own. I have my own thing that I call cool, and if it's you know. I, liking clones and that's what it is and, and bleh. okay you you go after school special <laughs> well and, and i actually brought this up because um it's in french and you're canadian and i can't read this page so. <laughs> yeah but it's about a chinese <laughs> clone knockoff so the micro professor to the mpf wait three, three. micro professor yep. three mpf three uh so he, Let's let's talk about it. It sounds awesome. So it, it, what's cool of it is it contained Chinese Basic, which was like a version of Applesoft Basic in Chinese. That's neat. How neat? Well, because of that, it didn't even have a text mode. So it's an Apple II that didn't have a text mode because you can't use the regular text hardware. So it just didn't have it at all. All the text had to be like drawn on the screen rather than generated by hardware because it's, I guess, the only way to do it cost effective. So that's neat. Um and like the like the real Apple II, it has like the two graphics pages. Cool. But the second one's in a different location. So that pretty much breaks all games. <laughs> and if that didn't, the keyboard buffer is also in a different memory location. So that basically broke all the rest of the game. So it's an Apple II clone that couldn't play any existing Apple II games. Wee! How useful. <laughs> Whatever. And Multitech went on to become Acer. So they used to make clones. They still make clones. What a crap company. <laughs> so I'm done with you. This is my opinion. I'm on Open Apple and I'm, I'm laying down some opinions. Wow. So, All right, folks. This, well, you know, you know where to send the hate mail, this right? This podcast is podcast. too gentle to things. <laughs> I say, I say we throw down. You're hearing this, folks. I mean, I, just trash talking clones and people who are trying. This is to also die. the weirdest episode of No Quarter ever. Like, where are the arcade games? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I agree with you with that one. Somehow we got way off track here. I'm talking about way off uh, track. Uh, I want to play Story Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> get get in the box. I want to play Story <laughs> Charlie. That's right. I missed that game. <laughs> uh, other conventions. Was Fest S seventy two has been announced. I have, a, I have opinions I, about this too. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I'm here. And I have please opinions. don't. Please I don't even understand them. this. So there's Wazfest, which uh-huh. is like the the real Wazfest is September 16th, and I guess this S7D2 no. is not an actual Wazfest, and that's September 9th. I, or or not? I couldn't even understand this. What, okay, so, so what is this? 
This is Wazfest. There's also Oz Kfest. And okay, so different. and that's already happened. Right. That that just recently happened, and we'll talk about that in a minute. This okay. is <laughs> oh, so we're talking about the one in the future before the one that this, this show makes no sense. Sure it does. Okay. You know it does. You okay. love it. Stop it. Okay, go on. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes, this was uh, Wazfest S7D2 was announced, and, and if you look back at their archives, you, you can see the you know they they do they they're having fun with the the numbering scheme. You know the previous Wazfest was Wazfest slot six, and this is I think uh, no, or was it PR number six? I don't know. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. I think it was and, PR number six. Yeah, it was PR number six. Um, and this is why we got in trouble actually before was because we we also confused Wazfest and OzKfest. Uh, they are two different things. They both happen in various areas of Australia. Uh, this one is supposed to be happening uh, when September 9th and sixteenth. Okay, September so it's like, 9th. but not September 9th to sixteenth. Like September 9th, then go away for seven days and come back. And it's, I think it's like the two Saturdays or something. Okay, yeah, this actually is confusing. Because if you read down through this, it says the second one is not a Wazfest. <laughs> or the first one will not even be a Wazfest. So <laughs> second one is. It's not your fault if you can't keep these straight. <laughs> Everything's upside fast. down there. Ooh. Um, so if, if you're in the area and, uh, and, and you go to this thing, let us know because we would love to hear about but it. But we're recording this on the 10th. So the first one's already happened. The next one is in five days. There's no way this podcast will come out. So they've already That's gone. That's true. That's right. Yeah, they both will have already happened. So just send pictures. Tony Diaz, apparently, who, uh, who uh, up until recently was a regular at uh, Kansas Fest, hmm? has uh, appeared at both of these, I think. If, I don't know if there are two or three now. I'm, I'm yeah, really I think if you it. say his name five times in a mirror, he shows up <laughs> and gives you Apple II hardware. I'm pretty right. sure that's how it works. Because he comes to K-Fest and he goes there. He's, he's the <laughs> Michael Mulhern of, of these things. It's like some ah. people that like, can go to both these. That's amazing to me. Because it's like opposite sides of the world. The fact that you can go to both, that is living the life, man. It sure is. Um, but yeah, he was at both of these and, um, the Oz K Fest, which has already happened and took place from August 31st to 3 September in Ribby Island. Is that how you pronounce that? Queensland, Australia. Um, R- that Ribby? happened. There was, there Oh, I get it. It's like throw another two on the bribey. I get oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to apologize to everybody in Australia. <laughs> so much hate mail. So I'd much also like to apologize mail. to all the New Zealanders that I often ask, are you from Australia? And <laughs> oh my God. They like that as much as us Canadians <laughs> when we get asked if we're Americans. Oh, so man. I'd like to apologize. I guess the, the default <laughs> should be just always say, are you from New Zealand? Cause the Australians don't get offended and the New Zealanders are just so happy. <laughs> that people know that they aren't Australians. Yep. Uh, okay, so the webpage for OzKFest 2017 has not been updated yet, at least as of this recording. Of course, it will have been several months ago by the time this comes out. Uh, but they do have an active Twitter account where you can go see pictures of Tony's presentation and several of the other events that happened. Mm. Look, there. it actually looks like, a, I mean, if I was there at the time, I would totally go. It looks like a super fun event. And yeah. one of the sessions is the liberate that 80s air. And that <laughs> really speaks to me that they have an, yes, it op- does. An, an unboxing session. And I'm super keen on that. So well done them. That reminds me, when are we hearing more one megahertz, Carrington? Uh, it comes out all the time. We just don't tell you about uh, it. I see. <laughs> the <laughs> secret <laughs> episodes that we don't uh, tell about tell mm. you. Hey, we skipped over a thing on your notes. What's that? A2.click. Well, that's Ken's next. We're, other we're, thing. Oh, okay. That's, well, we have three coming up, folks. Then, it's coming so. up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this next item um, is A2.click, as Carrington just said. Never heard and of it. Is, <laughs> and is in uh, Apple II URL shortener? I hate URL sh- shorteners. 
because... Because it's just silly. In the presentation for this, Ken, I love you, but in the, <laughs> in the presentation for this, Ken was saying like one of the big problems with URL shorteners is like you do all this stuff and then they go away. Like you use Bitly or, or whatever. Like sometimes they just fold and then all of your links no longer work because you're really pointing to the shortener instead of the, the main right. thing, like mm-hmm. in, in Twitter or what have you. And then all the links you posted in your blog are suddenly invalid because the shortener didn't exist anymore. Um, so his solution is here's a new shortener. That that makes no sense. What happens when a two click goes away? You have all the same problems. I might not also understand the technology behind this at all. It doesn't mean I can't have opinions. <laughs> I am against <laughs> URL shorteners at all. There's no reason to use them. No one types stuff in anymore. You just click on links. So just do the entire thing and make it be like to the canonical source and then also make sure the canonical source is over on archive.org and maybe have a bonus link to that. There are other ways to solve this problem. URL shorteners are not the, not the future. This is my there you go, folks. That's that's really all I have to say. And if you're going to use one, I would use a two click because it's got like the Apple II in it, and that's cool. But it makes more <laughs> sense to link directly to things. Shorteners are silly. Who cares how long a link is? No, who types out? I mean, it makes sense for for um, juice.js because you'd be typing it out. But it makes more sense to say go to juice.js slash the episode number, and all the links will be there for you to click on, and then they can be just like full links. Like why why use this shortener instead of just a page of the link. Or there, there's other ways to solve this problem, I think. I have opinions. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I've come and I've brought my opinions. <laughs> and now you have a podium. I'm, I'm making Apple two friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on. Um, just kind of edge away from that one. Nice and slowly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Edge towards the fast ship. Because let me tell you, I got opinions about this too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the fast ship 2E, the, the uh, much uh, vaunted... A uh, brand new Apple IIe accelerator is, or rather was, available briefly. And <laughs> it's available. It's out. It is, well, this kind uh, of thing is so in desire. Like people really want mm. accelerators, and they are all wrong to want accelerators. Oh, oh <laughs> it boy. is silly to use an accelerator. What do you want an Apple II for? You want to play games. I mean, there's no reason to do anything else on Apple II other than maybe software developer. So if you are developing software and you're for some reason doing it on real hardware, stop doing that and develop <laughs> it on, on like a, 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 a modern system because there's lots of ways to do that. And otherwise, like who's going to do like word processing on an Apple II anymore? Like, no, the only reason you have an Apple II is to, to play games. Like, there is no other reason have a computer, in my opinion. I'm going to lay down. I'm, I'm going to go out on that limb, taking a hard stand. Um, that's why, like, Quinn's thing, where she changed the 2 plus ROM so it defaults to 1 megahertz, that is a very useful and smart thing. Because when you boot your computer, you want to play a game. If you use one of these fast chips and make your computer run at 60 megahertz, your games will not play. Like, it will be impossible. You might as well be using a multi-tech microprocessor 3 <laughs> with its known text mode, because your games will not callback sir so i think like the fast chip if you're gonna get one of these this seems like the coolest accelerator ever because it's got that real-time knob where you can dial in your speed (laughs) why like again why wouldn't it be like normal speed fast as i can like if it can go to 16.6 megahertz who says you know what i think (laughs) 15.3 is enough for what why would this be (laughs) like okay um but i like the fact that it comes with a bunch of ram like it has like 192 kilobytes of like RAM fast RAM uh-huh. or megabytes. Yeah. Must be megabytes. I don't know. Kilobytes. No, it's and then kilobytes. RAM factor RAM as well. So that's neat. Um, 
But I don't know. I think it's better to just go get a Ramworks thing or something and get the VGA card. I think there's better solutions. It's 150 bucks though. So there's that. And I think that's a pretty good price for an accelerator. Though well, you know, no one be- should buy it. If it were available. <laughs> if it were, it's not available. <laughs> like all these things. Accelerators are very expensive. Everybody wants them and I don't understand why. So are, are you then also against the, you know, original uh, accelerators, the rocket chip and the transwarp yep. and things like that? Okay. Yeah, because again, like why even have it? Like it doesn't make sense. You're using up a slot and it doesn't. Now this one I think is the fast chip is cool and that it's like really compatible with other mm-hmm. stuff. You can have it in there and it's not going to mess well, up any column card or whatever. So you can put, oh, other than, yeah, didn't they say there's some, Weird fast chip incompatibility just found that might not be actually an incompatibility. What was that? You have a link to that or something, right? Yeah, there was a thread in uh, over on Comsys Apple to the the news group talking about uh, some individuals who have found possibly some uh, incompatibilities with uh, the fast chip. But I guess there's ongoing investigation. So if you buy one of these and you have trouble, you might want to check back on that link and see what they come up with because. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, one of the great things about the Apple II is you can put almost anything in almost any slot. But, you know, with its third-party stuff and these companies didn't talk to each other. And so while there's no necessarily incompatibility with the Apple II itself, the devices, on the other hand, may not like each other and they might squabble and fight over things. Um, and um, when you have an infinite, you know, number of configurations available to you, you're going to run into stuff like that. And introducing new hardware, such as this accelerator, you know, some things are not going to, I mean, to me, it would make sense that, you know, not everything's going to work sped up that way. Um, I oh, could be wrong. I see here. It's, yeah, somebody reporting that if they have the speed set to faster than 5.5 megahertz, then they can't boot into ProDOS from the CFFA 3000. But they can start, like I say, 5 megahertz and then crank the speed up all the way to 16 point whatever after it boots and it works. But then Antoine Vigneault wrote back saying it's weird because he's got that same setup and it boots with no problem. But I would think that's probably because what hardware would dare mess with Antoine? <laughs> so <laughs> I think right. the hardware is like, dude, just do what you want. I'll boot. whatever. Please just be nice to me. Right? So, But the rest of us, maybe it won't boot. I think that's probably a solution. It there. just sort of backs away slowly. <laughs> just back away from Antoine, man. He will <laughs> mess with you. He will program all around you and change you into something else because he is awesome. So – so what about the 2GS then, which, you know, comes... Who cares uh, about the 2GS? All right. Never mind then. I'll <laughs> ask Quinn when she gets back. Fine. Oh, God. <laughs> I add the magic to the show. These RCR people, I tell you. That's what you get when you ask, you know, you get what you pay for. <laughs> uh, okay. The uh, 80s Apple II BBS um, announced that they have a, they've received 100 posts in six weeks. That's kind of awesome. Um, I don't know if this is just 100 people calling in once and going, hey, I'm here, and then never calling back again, but I don't think so. What do you think? Uh, it's 100 posts in 42 days, so that's two posts a day. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> it's 2017, Carrington. <laughs> the uh, fact that this my, is getting used at all is kind of uh, cool. I, you know, that's that's the thing. It's, I actually think it's pretty awesome. I'm just being <laughs> – I'm just in the middle of the show, I'm going to be snarky, right? So I'm just going to cut him out of everything, folks. <laughs> I think if I had an Apple II BBS, the, there would be a couple of posts for me, and that's all there would be. So they're doing <laughs> actually way better than I would think. Um, my problem with BBSs, Apple II BBSs in general is it's very difficult for – like somebody like myself, like a layman, if I say, oh, I would like to maybe experience this um, – it always seems to be a little, a little difficult. There's, there's some, a barrier to entry to kind of get involved in it. Not that they're insurmountable, but it's always like telling it to a certain thing or use some sort of Wi-Fi modem or whatever. And I'm like, I don't have that. I really just want to, the, the web has made me lazy, right? Like I just want to go to a website and there is the website. Um, everything else just seems too hard. You can't just 
download sync term and everything's uh, too hard. <laughs> I see. All right. Well, uh, from this point on, ladies and gentlemen, the part of Karen Convention will be played by Mike McGinnis. <laughs> Interpretive dance. <laughs> That's right. We're tired of his negativity. Now, uh, so, so you don't care at all then that the captain's quarters BBS has also returned from a watery grave all these years later. Used to be okay. a BBS AE line in northern Minnesota, and now yeah. it's back online. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me read you about that. So uh, you can get there by going. You can tell net to cqbbs.ddns.net. Colon uh-huh. 6502. If you're not already online, you have to go get the Wi Fi 232 internet modem for your old computer. It not says when it's in stock. It currently isn't. Or you can use TCP, sir, on a Raspberry Pi, but you got to get a null modem cable. Or you use like a modem terminal pa- thing. It says sync like sync term, term to like. Lo- seems like a lot of work. <laughs> sync term is the easiest way to go. You can just like go to like sync term.bbsdev.net or whatever, and then you can get. So that seems like the way to go. Uh, it's all, it's all of it seems like work. It's too much work for me. I need just to click a link and and be there. Yeah, I, I you do have a point. I think you know it's um, the the web and especially has made everything far too easy and us far too lazy. Um, you know, for modern communications. It, it's, well, if you're going to agree to me, I'm going to take the other stance because the reality is part of the fun <sighs> of the vintage computers is the fact that it's not handed to you. Is the fact that you can program it. So, like, I can just <laughs> argue either side of this mic. So, like, so you, you're not going to con- you just like convince me and now you switch sides. I hate yeah, so much. basically because part of the fun <laughs> is reliving the the vintage well, days and the vintage days were often mm, a little more difficult. I just think there's a bit no. too much barrier to entry to the BBSs in general. Well, especially for what you're doing, which is going to post messages saying, hi, I'm here, or you're trying to duplicate what you had already posted on somebody's V-Bullet and whatever. Mm. Well, download those wares, man. Right. That's right. Yeah. Got to get the, get the latest uh, version of Karateka and Choplifter up and Karateka. <laughs> How dare you? Nobody says Karateka. <laughs> <laughs> Adventures in Flatland, what is this? It, you would think it's a game or that book Mm-mm, from Flatland, nope. but no, nope. no, it's an extended resident ROM monitor utility. I do not understand what those words mean. I read about it, <laughs> and so it seems to be okay. The description says it's it is utilities which aim to cover missing features from the resident ROM monitor. The first example provided here is to provide the disassembly of the full 65 CO2 instruction set in a transparent way to the user. I do not understand this. I just want to play Load Runner. Right. So, so as, what, what is this? Explain so, this to me. So as I understand it, uh, when you bought the enhanced Apple IIe kit from Apple and it came with, um, you know, the, the new ROMs and um, the character generator and things like that, it did not come with an updated uh, the ROM monitor. And so when you went to list programs that were written um, in 6502, 65CO2 using the, the new instruction sets, they did not properly, they were not okay. properly available that for YouTube That actually browse. does make sense to me. This sounds like a pretty good thing. That's what that is. So. Okay, cool. You know what? I'm totally on board with this. This is awesome. <laughs> okay. Why is it called Adventures in Flatland? I don't because he's French. I don't know. Um, the guy's name is Benoit Guillaume. I hope I pronounced that properly. Because <laughs> he's French makes no sense at all as an answer to that. But okay. I'm an American. I don't Come understand on. the title, but the actual thing. You know what? This is this is, this is A2 Cloud and A2 Server all over again. <laughs> <laughs> they sound cool. I cannot keep them straight because of the names. Uh, all right. So there's a DOS 3.3 disk image uh, that you can download, a PDF uh text article that that shows you how the patch works um, and some assembly stuff if that's what you're into browsing. Anyway, it's all free and um, you can get that now. We'll have a I have a question for you since you brought that mm-hmm. up. Mike, you personally, are you a DOS guy or a ProDOS guy? Uh, yes. <laughs> I was always a DOS 3.3 guy. Um, mm-hmm. And when ProDOS, ProDOS came out, I was sort of... 
um, on my way out of doing regular Apple II use, all my games and everything came on DOS 3.3. All the main applications um, had, they may have come with ProDOS versions, but they were already on uh, DOS 3.3. And, um, you know, I didn't have a hard drive, so I didn't really see the use of, like, it's still just 140K on a disk. I don't really need ordered directories for that little data. I mean, it's yeah, a lot I'm, way, I'm still it, really not a yeah. hard drive user when it comes to 8-bit stuff. I'm a, like a disk image user guy or a disk mm-hmm. thing. So I'm, I'm still in the DOS 3.3 land. Although, I mean, ProDOS calls to me. It's just I still <laughs> find it a little weird and confusing and the volume names and there's so much typing, so much typing. I want to like open that file. Eh, give me the full path. Why? <laughs> just, uh, it just seems, I think it's just because I'm not used to it, but I, I still mm, find that yeah, DOS 3.3 is what, what calls to me. Yeah, I uh, I also ha- I have a personal resentment against Prodos because it was based mostly on Apple three sauce. Um, but they ripped Nobody out a lot that. of that. Right, but they ripped out all the good code. And the nice thing about sauce was that you know when Macintosh came out, Jobs and everybody else complained or complained about how the Apple two and all these other computers sucked because they had a command line. The Apple three never had a command line. It was it was Prodos without the command line. There was never any prompt that you had to type anything into that way. I'm sure both people who owned one really liked that. Oh, God, <laughs> I get no respect. I tell you what. Um, speaking of Prodos, and uh, uh, there, you if we know, make there fun of a- the Apple three, we might drop three listeners. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I think our subscriber count dropped like from from six to two today. Thanks to you, sir. Me, baby. Uh, <laughs> no one kills an audience like me. Just just insulting everybody you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, who are we gonna um, insult next? Who's up? Well, who's uh, John Brooks. Uh, he's he's next on our list. Um, who he recently uh, released the Prodos two point four update, which fixed a bunch of bugs and extended the calendar calendar stuff. I have nothing bad to say about that. <laughs> so <laughs> I would like fine, to. I so, wish I was. Uh, like I'm on a roll here, but come on! Like, uh, what could you, you possibly talk about say how much about you that? hate Protoss, but you're good. You're happy with a patch for it. Who cares? Well, yeah, come sure, on. totally. Because it like completely fixed it. Like, it was amazing. Uh, it was amazing. It blew my mind that that happened. You're such a weird guy. I know. I uh, I am. I contain multitudes. All right. All right. Well, he's um he's he's not just a Protoss programmer. He's also come up with a new program called Bitsy Rip, and it's uh, now in uh, Alpha. See, that's a good name. That's 0. a that's a good name. Four. Yeah, zero point four though. That, that's a that's a heck of a version number. That that, that instills confidence. He says, uh, in fact, he quoted here saying, "Right now, Bitsy Rip is a proof of concept and has a ways to go before it becomes a full product." So <laughs> the zero point four makes sense. Um, so it's a bit level disk imager. Um, like like he says, it's like an EDD card, but no EDD card needed. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, so is this more effective than, say, you know, some of the other modern solutions like the, um, the, what is that? 5025? I don't know. It's a GS thing. I don't use GS stuff. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, it's no EDD. Yeah, you're right. No EDD card needed. Just juice GS plus four. Or, I'm sorry, juice GS. <laughs> no, just wow. GS plus four. Just GS plus four. <laughs> it requires a subscription wow. to juice GS. <laughs> Ken has a strain, doesn't he? My goodness. <laughs> totally. You know what? Every, everybody should have a subscription to juice.gs. <laughs> I, I do That's agree right. with that. Like, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> you don't have to listen to the show ever again, and you probably won't, but get a subscription to juice GS. Yep. Um, let's see. So that's pretty cool, right? Um, you don't have to go out and plug additional hardware into your 2GS to do disk imaging. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we have next, uh, disk Elizer, which is another. No, you skipped over uh, French touch. We're, we're trying to at least group some things in some random uh. order. You complained about it earlier and now you're <laughs> like. Okay. We'll talk about the French touch later. Stay tuned, show? folks. <laughs> 
God, why do I have you on the show? Okay, what is right. what is Discalizer? So Discalizer is a command line. Uh, oh, I know what this is. I'm so excited yeah. about this. Well, okay, then you wait, tell me. No, no, so, okay, I'll, I'll talk about it. So it's a cross-platform. Uh, it's a it's a command line tool for manipulating and managing and creating and writing files to Apple II disk images, like and and other sort of disk images, and it's amazing. So there's been like Apple Commander and things like that around. So if you do Apple II development on like say a modern Mac, like I like to do, or on modern PCs, but then stop that and get a Mac. Um, be like me. Be more like me is my <laughs> suggestions because it's awesome to be me. Can never go um, wrong there. So we can read and write to like ProDOS disk and DOS 3. Point whatever and and RDOS and Pascal disks. It can um, write to the disk images. It can read from them. It can convert things. It can, like it can do all that stuff. And uh, there's builds. You can actually get a build for Mac OS or Mac Mac OS, um, the modernist, most, most modern name of it. I'm still not used to that. Uh, which is, and it's open source, uh, it's GPL licensed. Um, super cool because if you dealt with Apple Commander, it kind of exists, but it's like a Java thing or whatever. Uh, I find it difficult to work with. So I'm, I haven't used this yet, but I'm super keen on it. So if you do like cross platform development, um, like you want to make Apple II things, but you want to do them on something else, then this is the kind of tool that you can plug into that tool chain and it looks awesome. I'm very, very excited about this. Now, would this supplant something like Ciderpress? Yes. Screw you, Ciderpress, for not coming out on the Mac. <laughs> I see. So you, you never run Ciderpress on... I have opinions. Uh, wine? <laughs> okay, opinions, I see. Nope, 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 um, nope. Yeah, no, this dude. And this looks great. The, like, it does everything I want from, like, a Ciderpress type thing, but it's available for my platform of choice. And it, like, even exists for, like, Raspberry Pi and, and Linux and a whole bunch of things. So, amazing. So it's can line, but looks looking cool. This one, the man who was just complaining about all the typing. I complain about a lot of things. <laughs> all right. Now back to the bit of sad news that we had. The French touch is going away. Oh, it's a French touch. Yes. <laughs> you might think that means something that it does. <laughs> uh, so the French touch is one of those. Um, um, it's, I don't know how long they've been around. I think six years. quite a while. Six years. And, and yeah. this is. It was uh, really one, it was really one dude. Uh, it yeah, looks like um, Arnaud Coquier. Yeah. And he's done I a lot pronounced of the name for you so you wouldn't have to. So thanks, pal. I appreciate You're that. You're welcome. Bring on the Canadian. Uh, he's, uh, he did a lot of cracking stuff with uh, Antoine and some scans and had a lot of great resources online. Um, and, uh, that's all going away. Fortunately, Antoine has preserved, uh, what exists. Well, it's not really going away. Like what exists is going to stay around. It's just the, right. it's, it's, not going to continue to be a thing. He he wrote, and he, this is in translation, after more than six years of existence, it's time for me to close this blog and permanently abandon the Apple II. By dint of running after her youth, we finally understand we will never catch up with her. Um, so it's one of those things. He just dove into nostalgia, got really into it, and is moving on. Maybe, mm -hmm. to, it says it's permanently, but people go, they come back. I have sure. done that. Like, uh, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, but the, what has been created will stay around, and that's amazing. So, so well done, and French test. We salute you. Yeah, a tinge of, uh, tinge of sadness there. But then, and Antoine posted in um, Compsys Apple II, you know, don't contact Arnaud. All of his accounts have been deactivated and uh, he's not there anymore, but his stuff lives on. Mm -hmm. um, do you like Opera? Yes. Not so the browser. Not, not the browser. No, nobody likes the browser. <laughs> <laughs> would you pay but to I don't see know a, that I would like this one. Pay to see a Steve Jobs No, opera. I would not. <laughs> Well, the DC Metro Theater of uh, Theater Arts 
Uh, and Santa Fe would be deeply disappointed to hear that because they have been putting on the revolution. It's sort of a, you know, they put the R in parentheses because they're a little weird portmanteau visual thing. I don't know. Um, they've been running that for the 2017 season. That, that season just came to an end, but the show will be returning for 2018. You can get tickets now and there's a, a nice review of it uh, over at yeah, dcmetrotheaterarts.com. We'll have a, uh, link in the show notes, and there's even some clips that you can watch and that Carrington will not be watching because... Save you a click. The summary of the review says, the music drama lasts just 90 minutes and leaves us emotionally satisfied. So it was a pretty positive review, kind of surprising, because it looks like this is like community theater, but as opera. <laughs> like, <laughs> about Steve Jobs. I'm like, oh, this seems like more something you would get sentenced to versus like tickets wow. to. So I don't know. But... Uh, it's a thing. So it's a, it's a thing. Yep. Divided up into, uh, 18 scenes and, uh, the composer is Mason Bates, whose previous work has been as a DJ and creator of electronic soundscapes. So I don't know if that speaks well for the show or not. DJs are not musicians. <laughs> wow. At me, bro. <laughs> that's, that's a statement, folks. There it is. <laughs> Communication. There's a, a much better option for Apple II Music if you want it. 8-Bit Weapon has released a new album of uh, entirely Apple II Music uh, called Class Apples. Have you heard this, Carrington? I have opinions about 8-Bit Weapon. Oh, my opinion boy, is they're awesome. <laughs> so my opinions are all positive. I think uh, it's. I think two people, they seem, they seem super pleasant as individuals, and they seem really fun as a group, and I really like their approach to music, and I'm not even, like, I'm not a, a chiptune fan, really, and I'm not an electronic music fan, but 8-Bit Weapon is one of the ones that wins me over, so I'm actually super positive about this, wow. and so this, um, there's like a, an album got released for the, it's electronic music, like chiptune kind of stuff, but all the sounds, like even the drums, like everything comes directly from, like they say, directly from the motherboard of the Apple II personal computer. And I think that's in part due to help from Michael Mann and his uh, DMS, the digital music, digital, digital music synthesizer, and also mm -hmm. Charles Magnan, who made the Apple II MIDI box. Um, but this is pretty cool. I think I think pretty cool. Like if yes. you like this kind of music, you will you will super like this this um, this album, and you should get it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So this is basically a um, a, a uh, twelve track uh, album of uh, classical, I guess, cover tunes, if you could call them that. Um, it's got a few numbers from Bach. Uh, um, Be- most of them are from Bach, actually. And there's um, Beethoven and a couple of Mozart tunes thrown in there. Um, Never heard of them. And, and it's it's all stuff you've heard of, Moonlight Sonata and Ave Maria and things like that. But it's a lot of fun, and you can get it now. Sing, um, sing me samples. No, I'm not doing so that. So the listeners mm-hmm. can understand what it is. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know that one. Uh, you can buy the album now for uh, $7 or more if you want. It's available uh, on Bandcamp, which is a website that I absolutely love. because Yeah, the, yeah. Not just Big thumbs up from Bandcamp. Right. Not just because it's a great interface and easy to use, but because it supports independent music. Uh, or even cooler, if you want um, and you think it's worth it, you can subs- you can actually subscribe to 8-Bit Weapon. 25 bucks a year gets you access to everything that they put out from now, like their past catalog and what they're going to do in the future. Or if you just want a one-time thing, you can buy their whole discography as it exists now for $47.25 or more if you want to tip them. Well, that doesn't make sense. So for 25 bucks a year, you get access to everything in the past. So you would just uh-huh. spend 25 bucks, make a subscription, grab all the back stuff and cancel your subscription. How can they be charging more than 25 bucks for the back catalog? I, I just, I'm just reading what's in front of me. Pricing makes no sense. It should be like yeah. 20 bucks for the back catalog and $25 to subscribe. Come on. I will send you the email address where you can write and complain. I have opinions. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. Um, I have a copy. I, I love their music. And I don't complain as much as Carrington, but I like it just as much. Um, one more uh, Apple II audio video thing that's sort of odd because after I saw, after I uh, was finding um, the URLs for 8-Bit Weapon stuff, uh, I just, you know, typed in Apple II Music and started clicking around and I stumbled across audioimprov.com. I think it's a, it's a blog, actually, that uh, belongs to a, a musician. He, it looks like um, he's done mostly Mac stuff, of course, because that's what he does. Um, his name is Harry Sproggins and, uh, there's a section on Apple II, um, the tools that he used and there's some clips and interestingly, so I guess for the American Film Institute's 1984 video festival, they were, he performed as Electron, the video orchestra creating live, uh, live video on a bank of Apple II synced to a master clock and, um, an, an ALF, ALF synthesizers running on another Apple II. And I think that's really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Back in – this is part of the the AFI, the American Film Institute's 1984 Video Festival. Uh, and so this their their entry was ELECTRON, all caps, the, the video <laughs> orchestra. Uh, so 80s. Um, the AFI people will know as that that people that put out the like the, the top 100 films of all time and they put that out every single year with slightly changing lists. It's like, dude, come on. It wasn't this already established. You should only slot in the new, the new films if needed, but whatever. Um, also, I'd like to comment that Harry Sproggins sounds like a way you would describe somebody versus actually his names. Tell me, tell me something about him. Mm, Harry Sproggins. Are you allowed to say that kind of thing about somebody? Uh, <laughs> I'll just bleep that out, folks. I have opinions. So the, this, in a sense, Apple II music video. Mm-hmm. And the last thing we're talking about mm-hmm. reminded me of other Apple II music thingies. Yeah. Like you Such had linked as. to one, this uh, 
Jeg's other poem, I think oh, it's called. Okay. By, by I think you linked to that, right? By yes, I did. Band called Granddaddy. I don't. I do not know Granddaddy. I don't either. And this is sort of a. It took me a while to sort of puzzle through this page and figure out what was going on. So. If you go to the link that we're going to have in the show notes, there's on the right, there's a, or on the left, there's a Vimeo video. Um, and on the left, there's a number of little, um, um, cards, I guess you would call them. Uh, each one kind of has a date on the top and it sort of just goes through and describes, uh, the history of the song that you will hear when you click play on the Vimeo video. And there's a, an interesting note about how it was, um, um, he released the source code for the music. Uh, which didn't really make a lot of sense to me until I watched the video because what happens is, so it's, it's a guy singing and playing music and there, there's action taking place on an Apple II screen that's synced to his singing. And I don't think it was, um, well, I don't know. Maybe he made the Apple II stuff first and then made sure that his singing and play lined up with that. But either way, it's kind of cool. Um, and I guess he was, um, like going to be sued for something, uh, but he signed a record with V2 records. And so it was all legal. I, I'm not really sure what the history is, but I just enjoyed kind of watching the, um, the action on the screen as there's cool music playing. Mm-hmm. And that reminded me of two other kind of related video things. There's, uh, Jonathan Colton, who's all kinds of awesome, oh, sure. uh, has a song still alive from portal. Mm-hmm. And there is a video of Still Alive, the song being played by an Apple II. And on the screen is like sort of the, the images you get at the, if you've played the game Portal. And if you haven't played Portal, you should. And the, the song, the video from the end of it really spoils some of the, the game. So you shouldn't watch it if you haven't played Portal. Heads up. <laughs> uh, but if you have played Portal, then you probably know the song Still Alive and you remember the kind of the video in a sense, like what you see at the end of the game. And that got recreated on an Apple II that is at the same time playing an Apple II version of the song. So I can send you a link and we stick it in the show notes for the video to that, which is super fun. So you can see Portal still alive, the Apple II version. And also Jonathan Colton more recently did a song called All This Time. That's a super sad song and will give you all the feels. And there's a really Aww. neat video for that that's done in the form of, uh, it looks like somebody playing an old text adventure on like a, an old vintage computer. And it's also a text adventure that when you read the text that's happening, that kind of relates to the song, it will give you more of the feels. It is, it is quite an effective video. And if you're super into like old computers or old like Infocom games or whatever, then it's very much worth watching. So I will, I will send you links to both so you can stick them in the show notes. And one more thing, just uh, related to Apple II Music, just because I, you know, I like talking about this at every opportunity. We've talked about it on other shows. There's an Apple II user that goes by the name Stinks, S-T-Y-N-X. He has a uh, YouTube page, uh, Vintage Micro Music, and it's he's gone through a lot of these old uh, Apple II discs and pulled off um, the, the MIDI files and the, you know, the um, some of these other, um, the, like the VAMPS files and things like that. And sort of collected them into groups of, you know, that would make sense as, as listenable albums and put them online. And you can listen to, to all of those, uh, without having to boot up an emulator or your real machine. I think that's kind of cool. That is cool. Yep. Um, and we have two more items that, uh, I put on the list while Carrington wasn't looking because he was filibustering about opinions or something. Um, <laughs> I regret the thing. <laughs> the first is, uh, Octalizer. This is a new, uh, Apple II. Uh, emulator, have you seen this, Carrington? I have not. Okay, so go to Octalizer with a Y dot uh, com, and uh, this is a a um, a, a new uh, emulator that basically three D eyes 
Uh, your That's not a word. Games. Sure it is. I just made it up. I'm making words. <laughs> uh, it 3DIs is your Apple II games. Okay, um, Webster. <laughs> so I have now, while you were talking, I watched the video. Mm-hmm. Well, I watched like half of the video because it's like four minutes long. Um, this is actually pretty cool. And like, what? <laughs> it's neat. Have you watched it? Uh, I, I have not watched it because I don't care. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> this is a, this was announced at one of the was chaos fest things that happens down under where they weird name, namely where they weirdly name things. And, um, I, I don't know much about it yet. It looks like it does. Uh, it basically takes your games and sort of adds a, a 3d shadow to them. Is that right? Is that what I'm seeing? Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it looks, right? So it's in that it 3 dizes it to coin a word. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you jerk. <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> Listen to Carrington <laughs> coining words that he didn't think of. <laughs> um, and this was put on by a company or, or magazine, I guess, called Paleotronic and sort of segues nicely into our last item, a new magazine that was also announced uh, down under. Um, retro technology for today. And, and I don't, I don't know if the first, uh, issue is out yet. It looks like it sells. It's going to come in, it's going to come this month. It's going to come out in September. Um, and you can subscribe at the moment. Uh, and well, it's an Australian magazine. They say it will be available worldwide. Okay. And, uh, is this just, is this just paper? Or is it going to be PDF as well? It's, I think think just paper but i don't know like at the moment well it's coming this month uh if you try to subscribe there's just things saying hey email us and we'll get back to you the, the web page looks sort of uh, not quite done yet which would make sense if they're trying to prep the first issue but uh they do have a submissions link and you can uh submit articles or you know um, um if interest in writing an article for them and if they publish it you'll get that copy for free so that's kind of cool i guess you know you could get a free subscription if you got something published in every issue if but, you publish, uh, if your stuff gets published in Juice.js, you get paid. Just saying. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's very true. Um, this is uh, not, uh, sadly, it's not just Apple II, which kind of sickens me. But, um, you know, there's C64 <laughs> stuff and other garbage like that in there. But I think overall, this looks kind of cool now. I know that there have been attempts in the past to publish retro computing magazines. And I don't know that any of those have been really successful long term. What do you think about this one? I think it's a very difficult thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. I think that probably writing something with broad appeal, like that's not just an Apple II thing or something, is important to try to get enough listeners. But magazines as a whole are going away. So making a retro magazine work might be quite difficult. But there are some, and they do exist. So some people can get this done. I think it's an uphill slog. Um, and while there, like you point out, there will be like Commodore 64 stuff in there. I'll just say... Uh, putting this politely, there are other uses for paper than reading. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> right in the toilet, there, folks. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> they do have a uh, the preview uh, for the cover of Volume 1, Number 2, the October 17th issue. And it's a nice big photograph of um, one of those, uh, what's the dog robot? Not Not from Doctor Who, but one that you can buy. Uh, that's there and an Apple IIGS in the background. So that's kind of cool. It doesn't look like, um, there any, there's nothing, no specific mention of what you might find inside other than the spookiest 8-bit Halloween games, um, and teaching old dogs, i.e. old computers, new tricks. 
But um, it looks like they sell, if you buy at least single issues, uh, they're planning to charge you $4.99 per issue or $6.99 if you're in Australia or Canada. Yeah, but $4.99 is very cheap for a magazine. Like if it's mm-hmm. a, if it, it depends on how it's published. Like it depends on like, is it a magazine and the, what its quality is, but like glossy paper, glossy cover, um, that's expensive to produce in what would presumably be relatively small quantities. It's not like you can print a hundred thousand of these things, um, to produce that cheaply. If it's like a color laser, printed cover with just like photocopied guts more of a newslettery type thing maybe you could keep the price down to that but that does seem like a to me like a pretty low price for a magazine the cover prices for magazines are a lot higher than that for regular magazines and they're printed much higher volumes so i i think it's probably too cheap hmm. or poor quality is that the no 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 i don't i don't think it's necessarily poor to do it a different way it doesn't mean it's poor quality you just like you know maybe different than one would think of as glossy modern magazine um, because it's hard to produce like i mean just cost wise i don't see how that could get done okay well you have opinions that don't always make sense size so i have many opinions <laughs> that don't make sense agree to right. disagree <laughs> okay well i think that brings us to the end of the news this month unless you have anything else carrington agree to agree <laughs> all right uh let's talk about ebay we don't talk about ebay on the show Ah, see, I can do the Quinn thing. (laughs) Look, rare. Steve Jobs. Look what we found on eBay. All right, so this um, next this item is um, we're going to talk about more clones. It's just a clone, dude. You. It's a clone. You picked a clone. <laughs> of course, I did because it's cool. Because it's a clone that automatically makes it cool. Um, have you heard of Albert Computers, Carrington? I have only in that you picked one, so I read a bit about it. <laughs> I see, but I had not previous to this show. I will admit, I had not heard of one. <laughs> well, neither have I. So Albert Computers was apparently um, a computer company back in the 80s that cloned Apple IIs. Uh, the uh, CEO, Amos Robbins Mansfield Jr., recently passed away, and they went through a storage unit, and they found a bunch of these Albert Computers. Uh, I guess it was the remnants of the, the business after they shut down. Um, I don't know if it was sued out of existence by Apple or just never caught on, but uh, it looks like there were... Uh, maybe three or four of these machines, and you can buy one now on eBay. He's asking uh, $250 with a reserve that has not been met yet. So, Carrington, I assume you'll be buying this? Oh, I'll buy four of them. <laughs> I'll buy all of them. I, 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 say I like the description for hmm? this where it talks about how the these are quirky machines and they are a bit <laughs> yeah. buggy. And he says, like, if you press the I and the O on the keyboard simultaneously, it'll crash to the assembler. <laughs> Like, I'm like, okay. And it's like, it's just the nature of the beast. I'm like, oh, what? Um, and he also says he, w- well, the compatibility for real Apple II stuff is spotty. He says, I was able to run several Apple games just fine, but some work and some don't. <laughs> it's like, hmm. And he says, there's the parallel port has damage to the plastic, but he thinks that's intentionally done. That's how you got to fit it in the case. Like in oh, manufacture, man. they would intentionally wow. damage it. It's like, wow. Okay, cool. I guess way to get that clone. <laughs> Maybe that's why it, this company never took off because they couldn't come up with a proper case for it. Um, it does look nothing like an Apple II. It sort of uh, reminds me of uh, one of those uh, AT&T PC clones that, that was released back in the 
back in the 80s that weighed, you know, 50 pounds and, and ran some weird flavor of Unix um, and was just gross and ugly. Um, and then it does have the uh, detachable keyboard. So there's that advantage over an Apple II with the little um, phone cord attachment there. So at Carrington, you, you need three of these, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, my response to that is stuff won't fill that void, dude. <laughs> get off eBay and go have an adventure. Oh, like, do the things that somebody playing the RPG version of your life would want to role play. <laughs> Don't be an NPC in your own life, man. Get off eBay and stop collecting stuff. <laughs> There you go. Well, this is this is a serial number 183, so I don't know if there are 182 more of these, but Paul has all of them. <laughs> <laughs> My god, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> it does have this thing uh, uh, a screenshot of it booted up and playing Donkey Kong. Yay for that. Um, it does look very the case anyway looks very PC-ish. Um, just everything from the weird little flippy knobs on the floppy drives to the boxy ugly design to the like weird cursive computer name on on the front yeah um so i'm wondering if it wasn't you know the design wasn't lifted from that and then like you said we'll just chip away at this board and make sure it fits cool yeah all right so um uh lastly today i think we're gonna we're gonna put the feedback on hold until quinn gets back she likes to yell at our listeners um so we'll save that for her uh but uh we like to talk about soft talk magazine do it all right, this issue is uh, number five. Uh, for January 1981, we start off with a screenshot or a <laughs> screenshot, wow, a photograph <laughs> of a uh, yellow cab in what I presume is New York City because the main title there is big as Apple in the Big Apple. And, and I don't know if this was, um, I guess it wouldn't be photoshopped, would it? Um, Pasted in uh, that there was that poster. Um, you see it on eBay every now and then. It says uh, Pascal spoken here, and the Pascal is in the Apple logo colors with the Apple, uh, with the rainbow Apple next to it. Uh, that's for some reason pasted up into the back window of the cab. Mm -hmm. uh, we are execing Cal Pacific, a company I've never heard of, um, and somebody named the Disk Drive Doctor. So let's dive right in, Carrington. Let's do it. You open the cover and you see an ad for a Cal. <laughs> so. Come on, how cool is that? Right. And this is the original Calabath when it was still being sold by California Pacific Computer Company before that was all bought by Sierra. Uh, let's see the contents. Uh, we have uh, Big Apple gives Little Apple the business in New York City. I guess maybe somebody was there and wanted to write an article about it. Uh, the the Robot War software that, that um, I think Quinn's a big fan of that game. Mm -hmm. Me too. Have, me too. Have you played that? Yes, yeah, I have. Yeah, I, big big fan. It's awesome. I know that uh, Jimmy Marr over at that that awesome uh, Antiquarian blog. That's just amazing. You should be reading that and not listening to us. Um, I think he, at one point he tried to revive a robot war competition uh, or tournament for Apple II users, but he didn't get enough interest, and that was I was severely disappointed in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we have their uh, first annual most popular software poll, which may have been kind of the you know. Uh, Part of the founding of those those awesome top ten lists. That First were. annual should not be a phrase, but okay. <laughs> well, it's you know presupposing future events. How's mm -hmm. that? The the disc doctor is apparently a guy named Mike Cornblith. We'll uh, get to him in just a minute. And oh, CalPAC, I mean, your Cal Pacific is California Pacific, the computer company that sells a Calabeth. So I, I bet we'll hear more about that. Um, they took a big inside the cover ad and oh look they got a big write up on page <laughs> 32 huh. um, huh. okay so on to this month's weird contest um, what do we have here so uh, the winner Milton from Limericks 
Okay. Um, yeah, they, they describe that a limerick is a five-line verse of a light, um, usually humorous and sometimes nonsensical nature, sort of like Carrington. Um, its meter is an anapestic, meaning each line is made up of a grouping of two short syllables followed by a long one. There's a bunch of rules about that. Basically, they're wanting Apple II limericks. Carrington, do you have any Apple II limericks for us? They're all too dirty to say. <laughs> and they're also mostly about you. There once was a podcaster named Mike, who nobody said he would like dog eating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I try, folks. Really, I do. Um, oh, the mill. So, are you familiar with this um, almost mythical uh, co-processor card that was put out by the, the mill? For the I am not, but if from the ad, I see that it's a 6809. Yeah, apparently. What the heck is a 6809? Um, it was a, a better version of the 6502 with uh, more commands, and I guess it was faster, and nobody ever used it for anything. So unless you're programming for the 6809, you didn't really need one of these except to like show off to your friends about how much better you were than they were. Mm-hmm. I love an ad that says, buy this thing, and oh, no, 275. <laughs> yep. didn't have a cost. That's expensive. So what yeah. about the computer? And back then, so this is like, you know, I don't even know what that would be in modern U.S. dollars, million or something. <laughs> something uh, like that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, drop 275 bucks to add a coprocessor into an existing computer? I don't know, man. That is that is a tough tough sell. Yeah, that's hard because this is back when, you know, the uh, I think by now the the CPM cards, the, you know, the Microsoft um, and the, cl- the, the various clones that followed uh, were selling already for the Apple II for quite a bit less than $275. And had much more support, like CPM. Right. So. Yep. There was a ton of CPM software already out there that, that could run. You didn't have to write your own stuff for it. So I don't know what the appeal was for this now. I know these things sell for a lot more than that um, on eBay these days. Um, Micropainter by the horrible, uh, horrible company Datasoft Incorporated. There's an ad for that. Uh, I think that's... Albert Einstein? Is that right? Is that who I'm seeing? Yep. Okay. I, is this a software package that you've ever used? Karen? Nope. Okay, moving Probably on. requires an accelerator. Who's got one of those? <laughs> so next we have the uh, the Big Apple Gives Little Apple the Business, an article by... By um, some little known person. <laughs> that's right. Never heard of her. Margot Com... Has that you pronounced that? Tom... Tom or... Tom, Margot Comstock, yes. That's um, it. With this little stripe across the top that says, I love MA, which... To me, goes Massachusetts, but I don't know. Um, and it's a it's an interesting article that covers a few different uh, local small businesses and how they are trying at the time to integrate uh, small computers um, into their lives and to, to help them make profits, as well as some you know computer uh, seller resellers and things like that. Um, what do you think about this? Yeah. They've probably all gone out of business. You have no opinions, Carrington. What's going on <laughs> I've got opinions. It's kind of neat. I mean, I th- I did read this article and it was okay, but I think this was like a filler thing. And it's surprising to me that it made the cover because it's like talking, I guess, I guess maybe it was still at this time exciting that local people were using their Apple IIs or something. Mm-hmm. But this is the kind of article that would not have been published like two years later. That's true. Yep. This sort of looks like um, we're really trying hard to make this seem relevant at this point. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, look, you can use it in computer, and here's a few, pe- or you use it in company, and here's a few small businesses that do use it. Um, so, uh, hmm. I don't know. It's kind of yeah. neat from a from an uh, archaeological standpoint to look at like people that were early adopters in their companies for the, the Apple II. Um, but I think like two years later, this would be old hat. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, of course, they cover the uh, the um, newly released or or may have come out already. Even had many bugs and was pulled back. Apple three. Um, he's th- never heard said of it. That, <laughs> that said that uh, the McGraw Hill bookstore isn't showing the Apple three yet and won't do that until they've learned how to use it. <laughs> so they never did. <laughs> Uh, this, of course, was, I think, back before people realized, you know, this is not going to sell well and be a problem for everyone. Uh, the, the person she interviewed said that Tucker believes the Apple III will cut into Apple II sales only slightly and predicts many mixed orders for Apple IIs with backup. And see, here's the thing that I don't think Apple understood with the three is that no one, this was never going to supplant the two. People loved their Apple IIs and they had good reasons to do that. And the Apple III didn't provide any replacement for that. And so they stuck with the Apple II, and now you have what you have today. Microsoft was selling a 16 cart, 16K RAM card. Yay. Um, let's see. What do we have in the discussions, letters? Nothing interesting there. So they're just but this, We should know the 16K oh. RAM card isn't for, like, RAM in general. It's for, like, the their soft card. Yeah, so that's true. add RAM for the Microsoft. So it's like, here's a card you plug in that adds RAM, not for your Apple, but for the other thing you're running inside your Apple. Yep. So if you have a Microsoft soft card and you're running CPM software in your Apple II, you can use another slot to give it an additional 16. <laughs> it's like, I guess, because you really just wanted to have the other. I don't know. Um, and you glossed over, there was a, at the end of the art, the New York article, there was also an ad for The Prisoner. Was this a game that you played? I did, yes. What do you think? I don't think I ever... F- Finished it. Mm-hmm. I think I played just a bit of it at a, at a Kansas Fest um, a bunch of years ago. So it's kind of like a like a adventure game based on the the prisoner of the TV show. Uh huh. So and did you watch the TV show? I did. I was a big fan. That's why I played a bit of the game. I'll eventually come back to it. How close was the game to the show? Not at all. Okay. Okay. Just, the name just then. Yeah. I I'd be willing to bet that it was not licensed to. No. <laughs> because they even say it's like inspired by the TV show. I see. Inspired by yeah. means we're not paying royalties. <laughs> uh, on the next page, we have an ad for Synergistic Software. They have the program line editor and higher text, uh, which was back when you had to buy additional programs to give you better text output on your Apple II. Or you could buy one of those weird Chinese clones <laughs> and, get, and get your text output that way because that sounds super awesome. Oh, my goodness. Uh, your opinions. Your opinions. <laughs> Um, let's see. Um, anything interesting in open discussion? Nope. No, okay. That's just like people writing in. Who cares what they want, want to say? We want to, we want the, the real writers. That's right. Yes. Um, an, an ad from a company called Peripherals Plus for VersaWriter, the high resolution color graphics for Apple II or II Plus. Um, didn't the Apple II already have that, Carrington? Yeah, but this is like one of those. Things I think wasn't the VersaWriter. Uh, was that just software? I thought it was. No, it comes with like no, a. That's a graphics tablet. Yeah. A graphics tablet. Yeah. So I never had one. I don't think I've even seen one. But it's kind of neat. Yeah, it pronounced. It's a. It's described as a digitizer and software package representing a new approach to high res graphics, which is kind of what they have to. They add speak that they had to use to differentiate it. Um, it you know what's a, not in this ad though? What's a that? lot of graphics or color <laughs> like there's no color it's a big thing that looks like an article so it's got like a small black and white little image on the top of their their um drawing surface and then just three columns of all text <laughs> like you're, you're trying to sell a high resolution graphics thingy what the heck dude get some artists and knock out some graphics 
Now this thing sold uh, sold for uh, two hundred and fifty two dollars, uh, which is a weird weird number two hundred fifty two. Don't you think? Like uh, you po- couldn't spot me the deuce? Come on. Postpaid uh, in the continental United States. Now uh, um, I I assume the Apple graphics tablet was out by now. Do you know? Oh, I don't know. I'm just here for color commentary. I see. Let me Google, Google, Google. Magic, magic, magic. Uh, that came out in 1979. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not seeing any ad skins popping up immediately. Um, but I, I, I think it was. I think the graphics tablet was probably more than that. And I don't. I mean, maybe that was the price point. Maybe the Apple graphics one was 259. Um, I can't. <laughs> so you can go with this other one. I, yeah, Save yourself seven bucks. I can't, I can't imagine why else you would buy this over the Apple one because that's the other problem with this ad is they don't actually give you any like reasons why this is better than what Apple has been already making for a couple of years and people know is a good product. That was uh, they bought a full page ad in Softdoc. So we have a uh, an article called "The Logical Way" by William Depew. Um, and this looks like an ongoing article, uh, where they talk about how, you know, computer programming logic works. Um, and have you, did you read through this at all? I did not. This one I skipped. Okay. So it's basically, um, you know, how binary math works and, and things like that stuff that most Apple II users probably have in the back of their heads somewhere anyway. Uh, but at the time, you know, as people, it's 81, the, the volume of people buying Apple IIs was really ramping up and, there are a lot of people out there wanting to know how to program this thing, and this is, I think, sort of an attempt to show you how the math works. Uh, we have a an, an ad for uh, oh, look, Serious Software. I, mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, the first. this is really cool. Like three different yeah. um, action software titles. They say from Serious Software. Yeah, this is the first ad I think that we've seen from Serious in Soft Talk. I'm sure somebody will correct me because I'm always they're going to say that. no. Three, you <laughs> talked about it then, and so yeah, but. Um, but pretty cool. So there's three different games listed, both barrels, Star Cruiser, and Cyber Strike. No, no again, no images of the things, just just descriptions. This is a hand-drawn um, starship sort of looking thing at the top of the ad. The first package, both barrels, is actually two games, uh, called one called High Noon and the other one called Duck Hunt. Long before, hmm. I assume, Nintendo got there. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, no graphics at all. I, I think I've heard of Star Cruiser. I know I've heard of Cyber Strike. I did not know about the other ones. Um, what about you? I, I knew Star Cruiser, but I don't think I know Cyber Strike. Huh. You know that yeah. one? Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Oh my goodness. You can Apple two, two plus or Apple three. What? Cyber Strike. Uh, man, I got to run right out and buy Warning, that. Warning, this game requires practice to play successfully. Use either 13 or 16 sector, Apple two, two plus or three. My goodness. Wow. Yeah, those went away real, three compatibility. Those went away real quick. <laughs> yep. The, that's the, neat. The you ad. don't see that a lot in, in ads, so that's pretty cool. Um, we have uh, Microlab is, is continuing to run Dogfight for another month. We've, I think, talked about that <laughs> early yep. on. Um, and I think, isn't Dogfight just sort of their version of Flight Sim 2? Yes, it is. I see. All right. Again, no graphics. Uh, the um, on the next page, the Sirius software presents action software for the Apple. Um, and it's a I sort think of they messed up the title on that <laughs> because the the one on the previous page uh-huh. was the action software, and this also is the action software. But no, it's an it's an ad for Easy Draw, so it should have been graphics software. They clearly you know a little cut and paste and didn't fix their ad. Whoops! Back when uh, things were run fast and loose and off the cuff. 
Mm-hmm. And somebody probably called and they said, are you sure you want to run this? And, uh, yeah, or, and we're probably you know. done uh, this time in, in paste up, like maybe using a, like I, I did graphics and, and, and coupon design and stuff back in this period. Oh, um, you did. Okay. So yeah. So uh, this would have been done on some sort of linotype machine or whatever it looks like. And so you type out your little bits or you, print them up, they print out on a sheet, you get your exacto knife and you cut out the things and you paste them all down. And it's really easy to like grab the wrong one and paste them in. And yeah, proof, proofreading was a, it was a big deal back then. And wow. this, this is the exact kind of thing that would slip through because it's all spelled correct. And nobody would think, well, no, no, hold on. That's supposed to be the one that says graphics software. I recognize all these fonts and stuff used here though. That totally looks like it came from Linotype. Uh, okay, next up we have the uh, Market Talk reviews. They talk about uh, Apple Computer's DOS Toolkit, which comes with typefaces and programs that allow you to design even more fonts for your Apple II. Um, there is the uh, Computer Station uh, has wrapped up Apple Writer and a bunch of other things um, like the DOS Toolkit and and resold them. I think with the I think you had the option to buy the Silent Type printer as well with that. Uh, and they call it Apple Writer Graphics. A lot of this was this was back before. Apple Works and, and a lot of the other uh, word processors were out there, and Apple Writer was the thing to have. Mm-hmm. And in, this includes an upside down text thing. Like in the sample here, you can see one of them is like a font that is essentially printed upside down. That's pretty, that's pretty, um, a thing that happened. Um, they uh, talk about the dogfight game that we mentioned, but yeah, it's that's flight sim. Um, and I don't just don't think it sold as well for whatever reason as the, yep. uh, the, the sublogic version. Um, there's an ad at the bottom of the page here for the book of Apple computer software, 1981. Have you ever seen? So, so back then, um, you know, before there was obviously web pages, you just go out and peruse. Um, if you wanted to know all the software that was out there, you either had to trust that it would maybe show up in a, a magazine like this that you happen to see, or you, they, there were these giant, Tomes yep, that were that would just produced. basically list all the stuff, and mm-hmm. you go through and say what's available for me to buy, and where can I get it from? Yep, because you might not have a local store that's going to stock all this stuff. You can't just like go into a shop and look at the 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 shelves. You're going to be buying it directly from people selling out of their garages, basically. So it's like here's where you send your money in in an envelope. And these tended to, I, I know in later years, they tended to run, you know, over a thousand pages long and they were printed on that real cheap, thin paper to keep it from weighing 400 pounds. Um, but there were a few of these. I think Van Loves was a real popular one. And I know there were one or two others, but this one is for the book of Apple II, of Apple Computer Software 1981, mm-hmm. available for 1995. Um, and it looks like that's maybe the only thing that they sell there because you wrote the address is the book 1981 and an address. Yep. That's it. Um, next up we have the robot war strategy for learning, uh, article. Did you read this? I did. Yes. And hooray for robot war. And it's kind of introducing people to what robot war is and, and, and why you would want to play it and what you can learn from it and how it's like basically a, a like a game where you write code that attacks other people's code type things and, and super fun. Uh, this is a game that, um, unfortunately, I think, you know, does better with more people involved. But, um, yeah, it'd be fun to, to really dive in with some Apple II folks today and, and get a tournament going. So, uh, I know Jimmy doesn't listen to the show, but if he did, he would, he should, should hear this and, and go start that tournament up again. Uh, we have an ad from Online Systems for High Res Adventure number zero because I think number zero, I think number one was, was Mystery House. Um, and now they're just, playing with numbers i guess yep. uh, i'm not really sure there's again there's a drawing of it an astronaut sort of looking over his shoulder like he's about to be attacked 
Yeah, and again, like the real push for these games was the fact that they were high res adventures, that they had all these graphics. It's all about the graphics, and even the ad is like it's got mm-hmm. over a hundred high res pictures, and and there's full twenty one color, and it's all amazing color, color, color. And here's our all text ad <laughs> that doesn't show any of these pictures. Hmm. But again, it was also probably very difficult to reproduce accurately and in a, in a pleasant way an image from the Apple II screen into this magazine. Like, there's not going to be just, oh, let me take a screenshot from this and bring it over into Photoshop. Like, so, and what do you do? Take a Polaroid of the screen and right. then try to get that in a print quality? Like, it would have been very difficult to reproduce that. So there's reasons why it wouldn't happen. But uh, at the same time, maybe, like, figure out a way, dudes, because that's the whole point of your game. Um, again, um, on the next page, I was just reading uh, Silas Warner, um, who did a bunch of great stuff from you software also did robot war uh we have an ad for from synergistic software for the stargazers guide a high resolution handbook of constellations for the apple II. it's basically and this shows pictures yeah at least their screenshots are not great they're kind of smeared and muddy and you can't read the text but at least you see <laughs> it, it kind of shows exactly why it's difficult because right. these are clearly photographs because you can see there's like a a blotchy dark part in the middle <laughs> of each which would have been like from a reflection and these really are just somebody took photos they they burn them down to black and white and <laughs> stuck them in here and said there like look it's dots on the screen Proof uh, but it gives graphics. you at least an idea but i mean you can't read it it's all smudgy so they went the other way but i i applaud them for throwing in some some images yep me too um that was a uh, 30 bucks for the stargazers guide astronomy software uh interesting little blurb at the kind of the end of the trade talk um, section here, uh, Carnegie Mellon, uh, planned to present every incoming freshman with a microcomputer. I think this was back when the kind of fever was taking hold and people weren't really thinking through the economics of how much that would cost and the maintenance and things, you know, um, I know that Carnegie Mellon wasn't the only, uh, university to, to, to give away computers like that though. Does that, is that something that happened up there in the great white North? Karen? No, we still don't have computers. No. Computers no. are a fad. <laughs> The secret is to bang the rocks together, guys. But there's also an ad for a wizard and the princess. Oh, yeah. There is. Uh, High-res mm-hmm. adventure number two. They skipped over number two. Number yeah. um, There is a mention of Apple's uh, IPO sold over the counter, um, which they said uh, describe as having ignited a dramatic upsurge in, pr- in the per share price originally set. At a range of $14 to $17, it went up to $22. What? Uh, Not 48, worth it. <laughs> now, 48 hours before the stock went public on Friday, December 12th, 1981. Well, see, the big news in this magazine should have been that. Oh, my goodness. You can buy Apple stock for $22, a non-split share. Uh, well, no, no, no. <laughs> because before it went public, it soared, soared, I say, to $29 a share. And I'm out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How can you make money at that? <laughs> There's, yep, they're saying it's a stellar opening day performance. Oh, how little you knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in 1997, that, that might have made sense. But, uh, you know, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Assembly Lines article by Roger Wagner. This is a part four, Every Person's Guide to Assembly Language. And I loved these articles. What about you, Karen? Hmm. Karen they should have put out a book. Okay, so you didn't. <laughs> no, I did. And Assembly Lines is awesome, and the book is awesome. Okay. This is what I say. I see. There's an ad for um, Mr. Rainbow's His Blast Off with our special catalog feature. So it looks like an ad for – oh, it is an ad for a game called A Stellar Trek, I think. I, I'm, not, I'm sort of confused as to what I'm looking at here. Um, yeah, like it's, oh, so yeah. it's a, basically a Star Trek game. 
I say again, hand drawn graphics, no pictures, and the um, the uh, little swirl logo because this was being sold by Rainbow Computers and Garden Plaza Shopping Center, uh, where apparently early uh, Sierra online. Uh, employees worked before that was established. And so we blamed Rainbow for stealing their logo when actually it was probably the other way around. On the next page, we have an ad for, uh, it is an online systems ad for high-res football with a little blue football guy running in behind the ad, but no real sense of what the game's going to look like. Mm -hmm. And it's weirdly blue. Yeah. Like, it's weird that it's blue. And so it must have been on a page that if you take apart the magazine and you look across the fold, it's there's a color thing there. Because, like, mm. why the heck is this printed in blue? Yep, because everything else so far has been black and white. Yeah, yeah. So I think they were able to do it in blue because, no doubt, it's ganged up on a page where it's there's color there. So therefore, therefore they have color because it's, it's mocked out as a black and white thing, um, but it's weirdly printed blue. So anyway, it's another, it's another online systems high res game with no graphics <laughs> showing on the, in the ad. <laughs> Continuing um, the trend. Right. And this is the, the, ad, the address down at the bottom is I think their original um, address. Um, you know, Ken and Roberta Williams home before they moved to their, to the to the mountain mansion. This is on Mudge Road, Mudge Ranch Road in Corsgo, Gold, California. And showing crazy early computer stuff. It says specifically orders may be check, although you guys spelled check weird. <laughs> Visa, Master Charge, ah. <laughs> or COD. You can hey, say send me, send me a game. I'll I'll pay you when it arrives. Like that's amazing. <laughs> Who did that, man? Um, let's yeah, but see. I think back then you could the post office could collect the money. Yeah, and they took you. it, so you could send something COD, and the post office would say, "Okay, we've got it. Show up. You owe this much," and then they would remit it back to the sender. Right, um, and crazy that that happened. Well, and if you didn't have the money, they just the post office wouldn't give you the product. It was pretty hmm. simple. It wasn't like you, oh, you give me that, and I'll come back with the cash. Yeah, but the idea nowadays, I can just send it to your COD, and like the post office will figure it out. Nope, <laughs> nope that does not happen anymore. Uh, next page, we have an ad from Muse Software. Um, Muse, of course, is known mostly for the games, but they were trying to sell some business software. Uh, they had super text for 150 bucks, uh, the form letter module for 100 bucks, address book mailing list for 50 bucks. Um, and this is all part, I think, of um, um, Dataplot, or is that another product? I'm not sure. There's no price listed for that. Um, yeah, I think Dataplot's separate. Okay. I think maybe I don't know. Like it's like, uh, or these are all they like maybe they all join together and it's like an office type thing or something. Like the ad's difficult to understand, but it's I mean clearly Muse pushing you know business software, and so that's a little weird. It's not products that I think many people really remember, and it's back. This is back I think when like you bought a basic word processor, for example, and then if you wanted it to do more stuff, you had to pay for a lot for extra add-ons, you know, spell checker, thesaurus, the mailing list stuff. And and you can see kind of maybe why this didn't catch on because these things are like ridiculously expensive, even for, I think, small businesses who would probably have been the primary customer for the software. According to the internet, <laughs> and what I see on it, spell checker has still not caught on. <laughs> no. Ah, man, I hate that. Um, high-risk cribbage from online. Wow, they, online systems bought a lot of ad space in this issue. They I mean, did they, indeed. They, they had games a, to push, baby. They had games a to push. Bunch of pages and no screenshots of the games because yeah, again, hard, hard to think. Uh, cribbage, neat. I have not played high-risk cribbage. High-risk cribbage. I didn't even know online systems had that. Yeah, so this is 
new news to me. I did recently learn how to play cribbage, though. So oh. that's pretty. There's an iOS game, a really fun one called yeah. Cribbage with Grandpas. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And uh, it taught me how funny. to play cribbage. So I now know how to play cribbage. Uh, we will have to play uh, at Kansas Fest. I've been playing. But there's also a, there's also a comic. There's a little cartoon on this page. Oh, there is. I almost missed that. Please yeah, describe the comic likes. since you're funny. Uh, there's a bunch of people in a lab crawling around the ground, looking under things, and it says, "We lost the new microcomputer." Ha ha ha, because you know, computers have gotten so small, you could drop it and lose it like a contact. <sighs> All right. Um, SDS software, Southwestern Data Systems, uh, sells software that you can count on. They're selling Super Terminal and some Z80 stuff and Roger Wagner titles. Mm-hmm. I I, we talked about him earlier. We did, and I think his stuff is probably their most popular items, if I had to guess. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think I ever owned any SDS software. Did you? I did not. No. Nope. Okay. But they also talk about that first annual. Ah, here it is. Yes. The, the first, first annual, annual list. Most popular, not least popular, most popular software poll. Uh, you vote, you wrote in and vote. They asked you to vote for your top 10 favorite programs ever of any kind. You arrange them one to 10 with your favorite first and runners up, uh, following in order of preference. Um, and. On so on this page, like the top half of this is the the, the official ballot, so you can cut mm-hmm. it out of your your magazine <laughs> and record and send it in. What's neat is it just is like lines for top ten. So they're not suggesting games; it's totally a write-in thing. Although on this page is a quarter-page ad for Mystery House Adventure, High no, Rise Adventure Number One. So clearly there, and I bet you that was a premium ad slot where they went to them and said, "You're going to take all these ads, aren't you? Online systems, and we'll include you get the ad right on the write-in ballot, so nobody will forget your title." And of the games, they, it's interesting they got all these other ones and they. Held back Mystery House, and that goes on here. That is not a coincidence. <laughs> so I'd love to see how they did in this poll, and I suspect Mystery House performed well. We'll find out, I guess, in, in a couple of episodes. Probably so, yes. Um, so, Carrington, without doing any deep research or anything like that, just off the top of your head, what would you fill in for, like, I don't know, one through five? Mystery House number one. <laughs> of course. Or Hi-Rez number one. <laughs> and then I don't know what, what would have come up by this time. Like, Loadrunner's not out. All the best games are not out yet. I would say I would have written in um, Ultima 3, I look forward to it, Load Runner, going to be amazing, Choplifter, work on it. <laughs> so I would have been just, they would have, what is this? Ah, the future. I know the future. I'm going to send in my ballot. You should. You should, you should One of it's too late to, to vote in this first annual well, I would just I would have just written in first annual is not a thing. Scroll across it and oh, wow. send it in. <laughs> Dear pedantic jerk, we've received your letter. <laughs> so you could you could yeah, you could either tear it out, out of the magazine or you could send it by facsimile to Soft Talk Collection. And this was back when they were based on uh, Burbank Boulevard in North Hollywood. And you had to have these in by February 16th, 1980. So you're a little mm-hmm. late there, Carrington. And, and as a note, it's not saying send it by fax. It's you can send a facsimile of this <laughs> by mail. So you oh, can that that make is? your own. You don't oh, have a photocopy. photocopy. Like you could, you don't, uh, yeah. yeah. So okay. they say, or a facsimile, which means you could handwrite it. You could like make your own ballot and mail it. But you, no matter how you do it, you're sending it by postal mail. Uh, all right, so next we have Market Talk News. Um, and, oh, look, the second the second item in here is higher, high, is a bit about High-Res Adventure number one, uh, Mr. Mission Asteroid. But no, that's High-Res Adventure number zero. 
Well, but it says number one right here. But it was number zero in the ad. That's that's a typo. But isn't number one Mystery House? Yeah, number one is Mystery mm. House. That's a typo in this news thing. I think that they should ask for their money back. I think so, too. <laughs> There's a lot of product placement going on here, folks. I think not that, you know, I would – I'm so jaded. Were, I read the book, Hackers, stuff like these were all pals. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. they hung out and they all went yep. to Our the cabin together, together and stuff. And, and hung out in the yeah. hot tub and – Yep, took exactly. photo shoots for ads. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you see anything all that interesting in here? Some small company called Microsoft mm, yeah. announced Olympic Decathlon, heard of Decathlon but they're not going to go anywhere. Mm. That was the game that that the rumor was that it would break. You would break your keyboard smashing the arrow keys to run was for that the, the pole one? vault. That was. Winter, one of the Olympic ones did that. Was it Olympic decathlon? I, I, I thought it was. My dad wouldn't let me play this because of that. He thought I would break the arrow keys. He was probably right. Um, they have a multimedia video system for the Apple II called AirApple. It's a system in the Arabic language um, and has extensive peripheral support and includes the uh, including the Arab Print 160 for $4,200. The software comes with Arabic, English, video dictionary, voice data input um, through a device called the Arabic Speech Link, bilingual graphics, tablet, business programs for accounting, inventory, scheduling, database, management, cash register systems, educational programs for basic advanced math, statistical analysis, medicine, and general survey of Arab countries and video max game series cool. specifically designed for Arab users. Localization. That's pretty cool. Mm, yep. The, uh, Maybe not, that might not be what localization <laughs> means, but you know what I mean. Probably not, yes. The uh, Air Apple system is, sells for uh, a mere 2850 that's $2,850. Yeah, I was going to say, not $28.50, <laughs> folks. No, $28.50. If you needed a clock calendar chip, uh, the uh, California computer systems. Um, and, oh, this was a driver. So this would have just been a program, I guess, where you set the time when it boots up and then it would stamp and you would have to redo that. Is that what I'm saying? No, I thought it comes with the... Oh, it's an actual clock. Okay. I think it's a driver. They have a driver, but it's like it comes with an EEPROM. So, uh, California Computer Systems sold the 7424 uh, calendar clock module um, that you could plug in and take up another slot in your computer for mere $64.95. Did you ever have any use for a clock in your Apple Yes. In fact, it's one of the things that – that's one of the features that's missing from the default Apple II that I really miss. Like, so much – would be easier if there was always a clock and the same clock like from the beginning. If you could just pull the clock and get time, use it for getting random numbers. Like, oh, oh, life would have been so much simpler with like just a default clock in all the Apple IIs. Well, there you have it. Um, did you know that you could turn your IBM Selectric, Selectric typewriter into a printer for your Apple? I did know that, but those are super rare to come by as a modern thing. I'm I'm very very interested in the whole typewriter as printer thing, and the Selectric module to do that. Like you got to get the certain Selectric that has the the parallel port in it and do that. But it, that's boy eBay just oh, <laughs> the cost of these things nowadays super super dear. So the, yeah, there's something that feels a little very steampunk about that. Um, but you needed the this EP104 Selectric Conversion System from Escon Products in San Ramon, California, for uh, and that sold for seven or five hundred and seventy five dollars. And you needed a Selectric one, two, or three, and your computer. So this is a very pricey solution. And it sounds like because of eBay, it's still it's about that 
that price still today. Yeah, or more. Like they're really just they're unobtainium. Mm, wow. All right. Um, we have an article by uh, Al Tomovic. Did you read this? I did not. Okay. Can't read everything, man. Oh man. Well, then we'll just. Um, this is the uh, disk drive doctor, um, and I don't. It looks less like an interview than a profile. Yeah, it, look, it looks like a an advertorial, to be honest. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, they interviewed Mike Kornblith, and I, he looks like he did or is working at Apple at the time that this was, was written, and he knows everything there is to know about fixing disk drives, and they would like you to know that. Uh, there's an ad for Cavalry Systems Incorporated interactive video, which I didn't know was a thing that you could do with the Apple II. Nope. No, no, exactly. And, and well, it does exist as a, um, this must be a card or something like that, because there was like the video overlay card, and it seems like one of those type of things, I guess. Or maybe not. Maybe it's just taking the, like, you, maybe it's just your video and you use a splitter. And so you're like, I don't know. Um, seems weird that this, this, no, there's no pricing. So there's not a lot of details. Yeah. There's, it's, it's a very vague ad. It almost looks like maybe this is more of a, a manual, uh, like a training aid and, and database for audio visual. Um, in audio information searchable by keyword. Um, although it does, okay. it does say you can interface this through the RS232 with Sony or Panasonic VCRs. So there's something else going on there. Uh, you could get it in AppleSoft <laughs> Basic or Pascal, I guess. Choice of authoring systems. And no price though. I assume that you know if you have to ask, you can't afford it. Kind of a deal. Um, it looks like we have a one, an early ad from uh, Spectrum Software. Uh, quality disk software that, um, hmm. You know, that you used to get, I don't know if you had these, Carrington, but I used to have, have like, I could flip through my floppy disk collection, pull out any non-labeled disk, pop it in, and there'd be like 50 word processors in a menu on there. Yeah? Yes. It looks like maybe that's what they're selling here, because you have like a disk with universal computing machine, and another one that's the home finance pack, um, or do you, did they actually write the software? Can you tell? You know, that, that's a good question, actually, now that you say that. You know, I don't know. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Oh, well. Because I know Lost that... Lost the time. Yeah, I know that, you know, I, we may have been a little bit early for this in 1981, but we're real close to that age where you had those mail-order software houses that would, you know, just list every known piece of game software for the Apple II and a price. And, right, and, right. You know, and they would take like four pages in Byte Magazine. Um, and this is laid out kind of like one of those, but I think maybe they actually wrote this software. I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, right. Yeah, I think we, you're probably right about that. So next we have uh, Exec California Pacific. So Exec is, of course, their ongoing series of uh, companies and um, mm -hmm. profiles. Not It's not a single person. It's how the company works. And they uh, have um, pictures of Al Rimmers and Elaine Von Fang, their administrative assistant, uh, Steve Gibson, I, I is that the same Steve Gibson? I wonder the the game programmer or the uh, the uh, game writer. Hmm. I think yes. Oh, interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess yeah, the yeah. So it's interesting. And then it's funny how they have only like for Lord British the only available in representation <laughs> is just like a part of a part of the Union Jack in the words of Lord British. Yeah. So no picture, <laughs> so mysterious. <laughs> That's hilarious. This this is this was really interesting though. This was a really interesting write up. Well, go ahead. Tell us about it. No, no. I'm just saying, like, if you're into it, it was just like, it's, I mean, it's kind of a fluff piece, just like oh, yeah. about, mm -hmm. but neat that they talk about, um, the, you know, 
Bill Budge and I, I just it, it this 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 is the meat of the of the uh the the magazine I think like to read this and it's like it's current and it's it's dropping names left and right and about like how how they do business and re- you know respecting the retailer and all that business and uh, um I dug it though. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um there was um there's an interesting uh, little um a couple of paragraphs about uh, the, how they named their software back then. And if you remember, I think Atari was probably kind of at the forefront of this, but, you know, of removing programmers' names from from the products. You know, like it, it wasn't um, Bill Budge's Triple Play. It was Triple Play. And that's originally – Or Trilogy, I think, was what they originally called trilogy, it. Trilogy, yeah, Trilogy. Yeah, and they didn't have Bill's name on it. And um, the comment was that, you know um, – Nobody goes to see 20th Century Fox's Star Wars. They go to see George Lucas's Star Wars. And nobody reads a book because it's published by Doubleday. They read it because they know and like the author. And um, they, they talk about their effort here to kind of make sure that people like Bill Budge and, and Lord British got the credit that they deserved and that their names were uh, on the software products. And I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, very much so. And you're right that Atari was like, they were the big ones for that, which caused people from the 2600 or whatever, like, that's why you get Activision. They're like, you know, screw you saying it's all by you. I, I wrote this game. This is mine. So, um, interesting that that was, that like, this, this is the height of that, that, that battle between publisher and, and author for, for name recognition. And, uh, we of course had the Bill Budge uh, on Open Apple a while back. Ha ha, RCR. Um, and we were able to uh, interview him about um, mostly, I think, his later titles. But it's interesting, you know, when you think of Bill Budge, at least for me, I think of him, you know, at, at, from his time at Apple and then from his time publishing pinball games and things like that through Electronic mm-hmm. Arts. I had forgotten that he was with California Pacific, but three of his titles were some of their biggest sellers before. Yeah, ex- exactly. I totally forgot that, too. But, yeah, this, this is a good reminder of that. Carrington, do you need your Apple disk fixed? Nope. Oh, well, never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> but if I did... Image Computer Products is selling a 13 or 16 sector Apple II uh, disk fixer, which is a utility for the Apple for experienced Apple II users uh, and a toolkit for manipulating, repairing, and protecting all data on the disk. It doesn't really say how it does that. Uh, it might just be a high-speed full-screen editor, and then you—it's a sector editor. It's totally a sector editor. It's, it's a hacking tool. Whatever. This <laughs> fixer, my butt. <laughs> the best part about this ad is the floppy disk with a band-aid over the yes over the disk <laughs> over, the, over the, the the read window. It's hilarious. Uh, okay, yeah, and then they talk um, a little bit more on the next page about Lord British and and how his you know initial. Software products, I you know, Calabeth, and I think the first Ultima game uh, were were originally marketed by California Pacific. Before that, all moved over to to Sierra. But yeah, pretty cool, right? Um, mm-hmm. Next, next we have revolutionary products from Continental Software USA, USA, USA. There's, yeah, because there's like American <laughs> flags all over this thing. There's a bunch oh of American flags, and there's there's like a patriot standing there with his, his musket, um, and it's because it's Software, revolutionary right? programs. But what they're selling is like LA Land Monopoly and something called the Mailroom, uh, which I think is just an address book and. Uh, a budget program called the Money Minder and Hyperspace Wars 3 Which is just, uh, yeah, that's just uh, the Star Trek game again. Yeah, exactly. So there's that. Um, uh, the next page, I think, is the first, other than that earlier um, uh, online ad that had the blue football guy, I think this is the first 
color ad we've seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, w- I wonder if you ripped apart the magazine, if this actually is on the same, the same plate as that color one, as the other ad. And that's why. Yeah. So it's who, who needs it? This PFS software. Who needs it? Oh, you do. That's says right. The, oh, I hadn't realized. Yep. Uh, available from Software Publishing Corporation, I think before they changed the name to PFS Incorporated. Um, yeah, PFS software is different. It is not a specialized application package or a complex programmer-oriented database manager. It is a, wow, that's a lot of words. It is a personal filing system that lets you communicate with the computer using meaningful everyday concepts. This means nothing. These are just all right. You can buy PFS software, and, and I know that they they were very popular um, and yep. were around for a very long time, and here's an ad for them. Yeah. I mean, the idea that what the, mag- what the ad here is pushing that it's basically like a database uh, and that it's easier to use than the other things that came up, although the ad – so, I mean, that's it. And it's in color, so fancy, fancy, fancy. Okay, so um, if you needed uh, help remembering games to pick for their top 10, like Carrington <laughs> just did, you could turn back to this page and they have the top 30, which is a list of the top 30, uh, I guess, best-selling Apple II programs. I don't know what the metric was there that they used to find that information. but And this was before they had to split everything into different lists, like business software app, you know, and games and stuff. It's just top 30. and. Um, interestingly, the top one is still at this time VisiCalc for 98 bucks. And then, wow. 98.07. That's right. Apparently, uh, and I did not know this, DOS 3.3 originally cost $74.85. Some of these prices are crazy. Yeah. Star Cruiser from, um, Sirius was 70. Wow. That's all right. Why, 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 I don't even understand these prices. Like Calabeth, 22.12. Are these actual prices? Why is it twenty two dollars and twelve cents? Maybe I'm maybe misreading this. Because um, I think it's pricing too. It makes sense that VisiCalc would be expensive, but why is CyberStrike forty nine oh four? There's no way it's forty nine oh four. I mean, maybe Americans are weird. So well, that's true. Yeah. Maybe these are all converted to Canadian. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of the uh, t- titles that we've talked about advertised <laughs> shockingly in this magazine. Um, Cyber Strike, Super Invaders, Dog Fight, um, the DOS Toolkit, um, the High Res Football Program, Bill Budge's stuff, Apple Writer. I think we've mentioned all of these almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's others here, like Adventure is still on here, and and uh, Hellfire Warrior, and, and uh, uh, Temple of Ap- Apshai, like the first one of those. That's true. So that's Automated true. Systems is and Rescue Rigel. So they've got a they're 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 batting heavy in this list too. Mm, yeah, that's true. Um, and, uh, let's see. Now, and then we have an ad from IC Games. I don't see a company name. Uh, how to turn Apple into a tank. Well, it's, it's, it's SSI, right? Yeah, that's weird. Who is it SSI? It's gotta be SSI. Why is it nobody? Computer Bismarck, Computer Ambush. Yeah. So this is SSI, but it doesn't actually say, oh yeah, no, send mail, mail your check to Strategic Simulations Inc. I was like, they weirdly hid their logo on here. Most companies would have been shouting themselves or, you know, if the, the name of the programmer, but one of the two. Yeah, it, it is very strange um, that, like, the only place the company's name is mentioned is in the, at the bottom saying where you can send the check. It's st- Strategic Simulations Incorporated. Um, but there's no company logo. There's no other mention of them, which is, I guess, maybe to their credit because you want to talk as much as possible about the games since you're not going to include any screenshots which they did not. Um, but at least here, like, okay, the ad for computer conflict is about tanks. So there's a tank at the top instead of, 
on a spaceship over. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it's an effective ad because well, it's got a lot of text. They really are kind of advertising six or seven different different, um, essentially the same games. It's SSI, so all the well, games are the same. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, but it's neat. I think it's visually effective because it's got like the the apple at the top kind of morphs into a tank and then the one in the middle morphs into a Spitfire. Um, and so I think if you're into this kind of game, this is going to get you excited. Say, yeah, yeah, I want to I wanna play as the Russian aggressor and, <laughs> and play an infantry tank, whatever. Like if you like SSI type games, then mm-hmm. SSI is going to hook you up. Well, and if you like SSI type games, you're uh, a person who likes to read excessively long and right, wordy manuals, right. so you're going to like an ad like this. This ad should have been the whole page should have been perforated and do a whole bunch of little <laughs> tiny things that you can you can peel off <laughs> just of course, to get you into the mood for the game, <laughs> and you immediately lose five of them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, then this is funny. This is back when they had to address credit card holders separately. You'd mentioned the like weird wording on checks and stuff and COD. Credit mm-hmm. card holders, if you want an Apple II 48K and a mini floppy disk drive, we have a special number for you. It's a, an 800 number uh, where you can charge your order to your Visa or Master Charge and then a different number in California. So. <laughs> Um, I think those were, yeah, these are some definitely some early Apple, uh, some early computer attempts, uh, for SSI. And I don't know that any of these did very well, other than maybe Bismarck. That's one that I've heard of, but. Yeah, I think I've, I see Computer Ambush, which is also listed here. I, I, that's one that I saw ads for. It seems to pop up like for sale and things like eBay and stuff as well. So I think that sold fairly well because lots of copies of that seem to be floating around still. Okay. Or maybe it didn't sell very well. That's why there's all these copies still floating around. I don't know. One of the two, but they made a bunch. (laughs) And okay, we've reached the back cover, which is uh, an ad for Information Unlimited Software Incorporated. Yeah, this is a bad ad for somebody who paid (laughs) for back cover. This is crazy that this is a back cover ad because it's essentially black. You Tons of white space. Everything's on a weird angle. Uh, this would have been a very expensive ad for a U.S. A company I've never heard of. And I think I never heard of them because they wasted a lot of money <laughs> on an ad like this. So you got to tilt your head sideways. And so they're pushing Easy Writer and Easy Mailer. And so it's a whole bunch of business software things. Um But wow, it's just like a little – it's like basically a logo and a small description of each piece of software – and that's it. Uh, like, there's no, hey, send us money. There's no call to action here. I don't know about this. This was, this was not a, not a well done. I, I usually had somebody proof this ad, dudes. I don't, I don't think anyone really thought this through. And I wonder, so like, okay, there's, like you said, there's tons of white space around each one of these little teeny tiny write ups for each of these products that are widely spaced across this page. And, and sort of overlaid on this is this like graph, uh, of, you know, a, a, a blue grid, you know, a, a blue lines. And I wonder if that was done because without that grid there, there's just like so much white space that people, you just look at this yeah. and go like, what's going on here? So they like, we have to put something else there. Put a, I don't and know. They put even a, did put it as an overprint. The blue goes over top of the text. Like, mm-hmm. It's even poorly done. Like they should have overprint the black mm. to knock out the blue. Um, weirdly too, if you look in the bottom corner, so there's this various software here. There's Easy Raider. There's Data Dex, which is a data management thing. There's Telstar, um, which tells you like where, literally tells you where the stars are. Like so that sounds like a communication astronomy, program, yeah. but it's really an astronomy program. But in the bottom, it's like Easy Raider's copyright Kappen software. Datadex is copyright Sonoma software. Oh. Telstar. So it's actually this company selling software by a bunch of other companies. Oh, that's interesting. But again, no call to action, no send us money, no, like, this is the bat cover? Crazy. Crazy waste of money. 
and I'm seeing that, um, you know, Quinn, Quinn was on that kick, uh, where she would, um, Google map some of these addresses and it's, it's listed uh, as a place on Arlington Avenue in Berkeley, California. I bet that's a house. I'm going to check that right now. And just, you know, cause dead air is, is always great for, for podcasts and stuff where you're listening. I'll fill the time by singing. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Could you sing, um, O Canada for us, Carrington? I cannot by law. <laughs> I see. <laughs> only to Judge other Canadians. Won't let me. Other, only to other Canadians. If I sing it, you become a Canadian. <laughs> and we're very uh, picky about that. Well, you should be because we want to leave. Yep, that's a house. So this is uh, somebody in probably his basement um, selling software that, I don't know, maybe got bulk deals on or something like that. Hmm. Um, and maybe he's licensed to do that. I, I don't know. But yeah, that, that's a really odd ad that, that some probably guy, single person paid a whole lot of money for. Cause I, I know that even back then those ads were pretty expensive. And, uh, that I guess brings us to the end of soft talk and another open apple. Well, that was fun. Thank you for joining us, Carrington, and being fake, oh, very happy to fake Quinn for a month. <laughs> I'm happy to be a fake Quinn, <laughs> not as good as the real Quinn, but uh, you know, except no substitutes. <laughs> right. And yet, I was a substitute, and so you have to accept. Hey, Carrington has opinions, folks. Do <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the Carrington has opinions podcast. That's right. All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Carrington. Thank you out there for uh, to all you listeners, for all six of you for hanging out. Or, well, the two that are left after Carrington, and thank you to Mark Lemmert again for coming back on for sixty five to workshop and talking about his Kickstarter. We will see you all next month. Using an Apple II is very easy. The only hard part is getting your kid away from it. You see, apples are the leading computers in schools, so even though you bought it to help you work at home, your kid will want to use it for his own homework. Of course, if all else fails, there's one last thing you can try. Get him an apple of his own. Open Apple Podcast. Subscribe to us in iTunes or visit us at open-apple.net where you can browse our extensive catalogue of past episodes or read our blog. If you like what you've heard today, or even if you didn't, your comments, questions or ideas are always welcome. Send them to feedback at open-apple.net. Retro Compute! Wait, when do we do that? <laughs>